0: No
1: setup No
2: Thank you all for tuning in to episode 14. This is Barrett here to get things popping off for us today. Josh is out ill this week, so we will be inviting our friend again, Mr. Ridge Jackson, back to the show as my co-host this week. Episode 14 welcomes Zach Beery of Enemy Airship. Zach is the lead singer, guitar player, songwriter, and engineer for Enemy Airship. Enemy Airship hails from St. Louis, Missouri by way of the mineral area. To begin our conversation today, we will touch on Zach's background, what began Zach's interest in music, his inspirations, bands that he's been in over the years, and when he began to develop his love and fascination for the production and engineering side of his musical compositions. We also talk the early maturations of Enemy Airship and all these experiences leading to today. We'll be discussing the recent new singles debuted by Enemy Airship, the critical acclaim and attention they are seeing in their forthcoming album containing these singles. Enemy Airship's sound excels beyond the usual labels of their contemporaries. Enemy Airship creates a sound that is atmospheric yet tightly coiled, its guitars and synths bleeding together to hint at garage rock and indie pop as well as new wave and experimental tones without ever picking a sign. As quoted from Eric Danielson of the Columbia Daily Tribune. Please give a warm welcome to our guest this week, my good friend, Zach Beery of Enemy Airship. Oh, and here's Ridge, too. <laughs> so jamie here yeah with zach beery A of little. enemy airship how are you doing sir
3: i'm doing okay
2: thank you for stopping by yeah wanted to bring you on the show and talk about all the amazing things that enemy airships got going on but kind of wanted to start off with my first memories of meeting you and becoming your friend oh damn and those are always interesting tales to tell going way back yeah going yeah. back i'd say it was like 07 or 08 somewhere in there somewhere in that neighborhood yeah in that neighborhood and we would all get together and watch fucked up movies typically.
4: Yeah. I, I well remember watching Hellraiser two with you. Some someone would
2: Gentleman mm-hmm. Broncos. Uh you forget it, the Gentleman Broncos experience? Oh. Yeah. I watched yeah. it exactly one time and that I, that was that was the occasion I was like, this guy is my friend now. <laughs>
3: it, it messed my brain up a little bit, yeah. uh,
2: And it was because there was an excessive amount of lotion being put on the skin and that that's yeah. what did it for you.
3: It was a <laughs> lot of like uh I, I feel like that movie was just a collection of a bunch of people's Manchurian triggers. Yeah. Uh, Like things that just don't happen out, uh, you know, naturally. And and so it's not going to go off by
2: accident. I believe like within a week, we probably watched Hellraiser two as well. (laughs) when it opens up with the uh, man with the chains in his face, it says that Jesus
3: wept and he just ripped apart. Zach was like, all right guys, I'll see you later. I'm (laughs) I'm out. Well, and uh, and then, (laughs) and then in short order, uh, Antichrist we watched yeah.
2: together. That yeah. was... Antichrist as well was obviously I happen to enjoy the, enjoy the film for the sacrilegious aspects of it alone, if nothing else. Yeah. But yes, it's very, it's extremely desensitizing and was kind of all of our
3: go-to like, Hey, you want to watch a fuck up movie? Watch this. You know, if we were recommending something to somebody, I don't know if this is just my bad memory, but it seems like that was right before, um, streaming was like a netflix was still a thing you did in the mail and so it was also like the the heyday of uh torrenting
1: yes piracy
2: to to piracy and uh the netflix mail-in service was hot and heavy i was i had a subscription that's typically how we got to watch a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff but then the online streaming for the consoles started to come online so like i had an xbox 360 strictly for streaming
3: like i never played
1: any games on it
3: i just remember uh getting a Passed the popcorn invite for Brandon and right. it, then it was on <laughs> Yeah, absolutely
2: <laughs> and Brandon worked at movie stores for the longest time as yeah. well so like we were always picking stuff out mm-hmm. and kind of obscure to watch then I came to know and I couldn't even tell you the specific experience or instance but somebody like mentioned to me like oh Zach plays music I was like oh okay cool and did never hear anything but then whenever finally i believe uh, it was probably non non-returner at the time yeah you did some type of performance up in columbia that was recorded
3: i think we also i don't it, again my memory is really bad so like the order of things uh is really fuzzy but i, I think we played at bobberinos around that time too yeah with,
2: um, probably a little bit after that yeah i don't know
3: it's all very hazy maybe firebird <laughs> suite yeah 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 Yeah, with mike mcclanahan and uh calvin I think that was like right around the time that we released uh, a record too. Like it was the la- the only full length record we yeah. released. So and yeah, I was I... like well, so this was two thousand eight. Whenever that came out, oh, and I okay. was like that. Logan and I got evicted from our house uh, for not paying the rent. I remember that. Now. And then I That's was in right. Farmington for a while, just I'm not paying back far enough, being depressed and like yeah. just absolutely just drunk. Uh, just drowning my sorrows in. was that
2: you eating copious amount of cheese stage
3: i'm sure that happened in there too <laughs> <laughs> i just have it's like, all a blur <laughs> i have a like a vivid memory of um and i don't know how it's a vivid memory considering the the uh amount that i was drinking at the time but i was like eating microwave crab rangoons at four in the morning and i was just like man i think i've hit rock bottom yeah kind of had that existential crisis at that yeah. time <laughs> it's like uh one of it's one of the most vivid memories that I have (laughs) sadly, you know, and then I didn't stop drinking for years after that. But I, that was the time when I was like, I really, this is going to kill me. I need to get this shit under control." control. That eventually <laughs> these uh, these crab rangoons are trash, and I've eaten the whole box. Yeah, in like three, you know, going back and just getting yeah, you know, it was fucked up.
2: I've I've had countless of those experiences. I know that once I first heard your music, I was like, holy shit! I did not expect. I don't I couldn't tell you what I expected, but I didn't expect what I heard, and I loved it instantly. Um, you know, you and. Michael and Logan have a chemistry, and kind of. I would liken it to like me and Ridge, for example. And we got Ridge on the show today too, hey. stepping in. So <laughs> sorry for the delayed uh, intro there, but yeah, but, intro. but Ridge and I uh, have kind of that same thing going on. It's like we basically always ended up in bands together, playing together, and like we don't have to even tell each other what comes next. We often find it at the same time, you know. Like that type of chemistry can't be manufactured.
3: I think like maybe you can work at it with people but there's also there's also just like the the natural chemistry that you have with other musicians where you can kind of antici- either anticipate what they'll do or like right. uh, you're just kind of uh, like tuned into the same wavelength and right. and that's it, with with Michael and Logan it's uh, definitely like most of our communication right. is, is nonverbal in practice and we just kind of vibe uh, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I know that you and Logan and Michael all went to school together in like Farmington right Yeah and so that's probably where y'all initially met and became friends and so on and so forth
3: Yeah I've known Michael my whole life his mom and my mom were friends I there was I, I think like his mom was the head or just part of a I'm going to fuck this up pronouncing it. it was like a like a breastfeeding advocate group okay. or something and cool. I don't know if my mom was also like involved in that, but this is a very weird story that <laughs> you're talking about on a podcast, but, uh, but anyways, we, we, they were friends. And so like, whenever I was born, it was just like, well, you know, yeah, there you go. These kids will hang out with each other. Yeah. Know? So literally your entire life. Yeah, for sure. No question. Um, and then Logan, since like maybe elementary school or something. Yeah, like I didn't play music with Logan until, um, after high school, but like, yeah. Him and Michael were in a band together in high school, and I would like hang around their practices because you know I think they yeah. were using something of mine or I mean. Did but, you have any of your own bands in high school? Yeah, I was in a a band with a terrible name, uh, but we were, we were all right. It was like me and uh, my friend Zach and my friend Chuck and my friend Chris, and <laughs> it's it's <laughs> well.
2: What what got you interested in being in a band? I mean, you've had a fascination with music, and then I know that you've played. And we've talked before, but you were like in marching band on drumline, right? Yeah. So like you've got some different experiences behind different instruments too.
3: So whenever I was a kid, my dad, a sound person for um, a couple of different bands, and at one point, whenever I was really little, we had bands practicing in our basement. So and I remember like again hazy terrible memory yeah. but i just remember it being like super loud in my house and i'm just like up in my room and i can feel the shit coming up right. through the floor and and so i was just around it a lot as a kid i think i like watched my my sister was in marching band and i watched like the drum line and i was like holy fuck this is yeah. cool, yeah i want to be in the battery and so whenever i was in like sixth grade i like joined the band and got the song flute and i was like i'm all yeah. of this is in preparation for me to be in the marching battery <laughs> like i was <laughs> hell-bent on yeah. it um, whenever i was like a freshman in high school though um like zach the drummer for the band i was in in high school he was also in the in the drum line and and then chuck was also in the drum line and so like during uh breaks from marching band we would go to it was my house for a little bit and then i think maybe my mom was like this is too loud or yeah. whatever and then but zach lived way out in the country so we went out and we would like practice uh, you know or just jam right during like breaks from these like brutal eight or ten hour band camp like just yeah. standing out in the right, sun all right. day lobster red and then we go and practice in the basement in the air conditioner and stuff yeah. and i don't know I'm rambling. That's no, <laughs> no, no. I I I, little I never memory really lane. got back yeah. in there yeah. in, in those memories with you
2: before. So but I also kind of wanted to hear how you and Logan and and Michael in particular started playing music together. So you guys were always yeah. around each other really in I think, school years.
3: Yeah, for sure. And and then like around the t- around that time like um you know Michael and Logan were playing uh, the name of their band was. It was probably also very embarrassing but um
2: We've got plenty of them. We
3: can yeah, yeah. share all
2: kinds of embarrassing names from us. Yeah. <laughs> mean uh, oh, no, let's not do it. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, um,
4: I'm glad we didn't have social media. Yeah. Or didn't use well, it well enough. Yeah. We'll put it that way. The
3: thing is, like, I, I owned a web domain. Like, it, it was the 90s or the early 2000s, and my family was, like, my dad was a big nerd, and so we, he bought, like, a, a web domain. So, like, I definitely was putting things on the internet that are still on archive.org. And like, you can go and find these pages where it was like pre blogger even. And I'm just like going in and making a new HTML file for every time I'm making a post and I'm posting on the internet and people, it's like crazy, but how, I don't know how like narcissistic and like weird exhibitionism for like a teenage boy who thinks like zero profound things, just right. like making, you know, dictionary length posts. Do you remember so, what they were ever about in particular? I'm sure no. it was just nonsense. <laughs> just <laughs> navel gazing bullshit, which, you know, set the tone for the rest of my output for the rest, you know. Lots right.
2: Of, so when um, you started playing in bands, there had to be some inspirations for you musically that you bands that you were really into, you know, like. A lot of bands, they start out with kids learning an instrument sure. because of a band or a particular musician learning those songs. And then sometimes you get together with friends and jam those, and then that turns into original songs.
3: So with guitar, my dad passed away when I was 13, and he had a, a Telecaster. And um, I decided, like, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to play this because, like, I don't want it to just sit there. And I had, like, this little blues cube, like a Roland blues cube. Yeah. Right? About this size. Um sorry, I'm pointing at a super champ. Uh, (laughs) Um, and I was just like kind of learning to read tabs or whatever. I, you know, sure. What a 13 year old boy would do. So I'm looking up Foo Fighters songs and slowly learning to, you know, play power chords and shit. Right. Um, so, so most of my, like, drive to even play the guitar was like i just don't want my dad's guitar it was some kind of like right. i need to do something with this because like right i don't know i don't i don't know how to unpack that you know yeah but no, uh i get it but um and then i would just start playing songs that i liked and then i was as i would play music my taste was sort of informed by like, Oh, now I'm listening to these parts and now I'm listening right, to right. the way that they work together. Yep. And now I'm noodling around on the guitar and I'm thinking more about this stuff. And then, right. And so I don't know, it it wasn't so much that I wanted to like play songs that I knew or like there was any kind of band. I was like, I want to do that. Although right. I'm sure there was some amount of like, you know, I want to play ever long, and you know, right, right, right. right. I don't want to fuck it up, and I, you yeah, know, I want it to sound good. But a lot of it was just like, I want to get good at guitar, and then I want to, and then, and then like, then I started like listening to music, like like a person who writes music starts to listen right. to things. Right, so. the age that
2: we all are too as well, it was kind of different your access to music back then. So unless you yeah. had like. your opinions and experiences were basically informed by like what your parents liked Mm -hmm. or your friends at school exposed you to. Right. Like I know I went to Arcadia Valley Ridge, went to Bellevue. Like it was particularly in those early, you know, grade school, middle school years, like unless you had a friend that listened to the misfits, maybe you never heard of the misfits or the Ramones or bands like that. You know, what you heard was what was on the radio and so technology has really changed people's ability to listen to anything at any time, too.
3: For sure. I mean, whenever I was first learning to play guitar, too, like, I I think probably my favorite band was Deftones, which yeah. I still love Deftones. Me, too. Uh, but at the time, like, and just think, to think, like, the, uh, the kind of music that I make now. And I right. was, at the time, I was sure. like, yeah. You know, I'd like to learn some of these songs. I don't sure. have enough strings on the guitar. for that. No, you, know? <laughs> no. you gotta have at but least uh, seven but, that uh, I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it was, it was like, that was about as fringe as it got. And that shit sure. was played on the radio. But I mean, like right. I, I did get on like, there was forum and maybe this was even later, but that, so I had access to like FTP sites that would just have like MP3s on them in like, whole discographies and stuff. So I would go on there and then of course there was like Soul Seek and and things like that. And then I think that I felt it felt like that kind of blew shit wide open because I I remember around the time that Napster. Yep. Napster and like Soul Seek. And then like Michael's finding, you know, like Rites of Spring shit. And like and then somebody's burning me a braid C D and it was like, oh, suddenly Suddenly, this... the the world is so much bigger now, right? Than than, Absolutely. than this like tiny little yeah um cluster of shit that I know of because it was on one oh five seven the point or right. I heard it on right. oldies radio, right?
2: Well, another thing that kind of famously happened with some of those, you know, file sharing proxies that you're talking about, like so for example you would download a song and it would be labeled as something, but then it would be something yeah. else too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you'd find that out. And sometimes it was very comical, like it would be like I don't know, like the audio from a porn yeah. of people like just it's going at it incessantly. I down, you know?
3: I downloaded so many Radiohead and Smashing Pumpkins collaborations, yeah. which now like the thought of it is like, well, <laughs> yeah, right, should have known better. But right. at the time I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Right. You know, right. It's totally reasonable that I would have right. never heard of this before. <laughs> yeah. And found it on For Napster. Sure.
2: And then sometimes, though, that leads you to finding some other things that you like. So that was some of my accidental finds, personally. Mm-hmm. I know, like, my I can remember two big things, at least in in my time, and it overlaps some with Ridge. Like, most of my experiences were that until we... Fu- we didn't even have internet that we could download anything in my house until mm-hmm. I was, like, 17, 18, maybe. Yeah. So I, I was very late to a lot of things, but I remember kind of two bigger things that happened was my ability to download music, and then secondly... Marcus Newsteg coming down to Michael's house and ripping uh, his iPod onto that computer. And we found so much new music whenever that happened. And kind of, that was close to the time that me and Ridge started becoming good friends too and stuff. And he was already listening to stuff I'd never heard and so on and so forth. So, you know that that's what kind of helped open me up, and yeah. then here that I mean I ended up playing in hardcore bands and things that I didn't even know what hardcore was. You know, <laughs> I got asked to come play bass, and Michael's like, "Hey, it's a hardcore band, and you could you could play these bass parts. They're not hard, and so on and so forth." Yeah. I'm like,
3: "Okay, you got that one hit, uh, right?" You know, from the from the iPod, and then so, suddenly you're suddenly you're manufacturing it exactly.
2: <laughs> so he comes over
3: and shows me all the parts, and
2: then I end up. Playing with Ridge and Garrett Gass and Michael Jones Mm -hmm. and a hardcore band. Straight-edge hardcore band. Matt Link, too. I can't forget Matt Link. He was there at the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, straight-edge hardcore band is how I started. And the last band we were in was (laughs) nothing like that. (laughs) It's a party band.
3: The very first band that I was ever in, I actually was the drummer. And it was a metal band. Yeah. Well first two bands i was a drummer and i mean i was fucking terrible i'm sure the bands were probably not great but and yeah i don't know these are these are buried deep Uh, (laughs) you you start to repress them over time it was so so the 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 very first band that i was ever in and actually the very first show i was in um a, a friend of mine was like hey do you think you could come to practice and just sit in on drums and i was like i don't know man like I am right. I'm 14 years old and I don't know most of these people. And I'm like an anxious, oh yeah you know, kind of rattlesnakey guy. Yeah. And then I go there and they're like, uh, play these songs and I'm playing them and it's fine. It's like, I'm not a good drummer, but I'm, You're getting I can get through a song yeah. or two. And then they're like, all right, everybody pack up your stuff. We have to get to the show. And I'm like, what are you Holy talking shit, about? Dude. We go to, we go to a, um, there was a church that was behind Dairy Queen in Farmington and we go there. I don't know if it's still, probably not. It's like where the, the family center yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, there was a church on that the hill there and it was in that church and we played like a metal set and uh, it was like, wow. a, like at a youth group thing. And I was so taken back by I the think whole thing. I'd, well, and I, I, that, that set the, um, the precedent for what I do at shows, which is just completely dissociate. Yeah. I leave my body because I'm right. so scared right. and then it's probably fine. I don't know. I've never yeah. I've never been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I hear it.
2: There's definitely an element that goes on like I know I I dealt with that really bad specifically in high school. My dad would like make me do things to like get over it. Like mm-hmm. he started like making me call businesses in a phone book. God damn! And just ask them random things. I'd throw up if you made me do that. Like the first two times, (laughs) two or three times, yeah, there was definitely some of that like dry heaving and stuff. I was just so like worked up about it, and then eventually that I mean it gave me the ability to talk to anybody about anything. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was a good thing. But like the anxiety that I went through was terrible. Like I pulled up to, I lied to my parents one time that I was going to stay a friend, stay a night at a friend's house, and. I went and pulled up to this party because this girl I had a crush on live was guy at the party mm. and I wanted to go in so bad, but the anxiety of just getting out of my car, I could not do it, you know? Yeah. Which is wild because that's not at all who yeah. I am today though. Sure. Too, sure. In some respects. I mean, I mean, there's a little part of that in there still, yeah. but
3: Ex- exposure therapy is, uh, it is either traumatic yeah. and, and like fucks you up forever oh, or, yeah. or, it, or it's just the trick. Well, I, I, Forever I thought
2: it was just the trick, but I've, you know, had oh, yeah. some issues bubble up yeah. from that, you know, in recent yeah. years as well. So I, I can't say that it is necessarily being somebody through that experience. Yeah, I can function more than some people in many, you know, things, but it's just by natural reaction of it happening to me previously. You know, I just know what yeah. to do. Been there, done that sort For of sure. thing. For sure. So it's like, let's replicate that again.
0: Yeah.
4: It took me 30 minutes to like pep talk myself up to call somebody to come out and look at my HVAC
2: yeah <laughs> Damn,
4: it,
3: just, it, it does it, it happen? yeah
4: like is there a way i can put in like a service ticket to get yeah somebody online no, no. so <laughs> michael
3: michael just bought a house every time they talk about like we had to call a guy to do something i was yeah. just like man i'm just gonna rent forever i can't do this yeah shit. It's, it's terrible that's know. the reason i did it's, for the it's also time. crazy expensive like uh, i mean i I never thought I would be at a point in my life where I care about this or know what the word means. Right. Uh, Although maybe that's sad, but like, I'm not building equity. I've never built equity. I don't have any (laughs) of that (laughs) shit. But then, and I'm like, man, I I really should maybe (laughs) just buy a house. Even if I, I know I'm going to move in like five years, just buy it, pay some shit, get some equity. People do it all the time. Sure. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Even if you don't plan on doing it, a lot of people live somewhere for a couple of years and leave. And like I mean I don't know How I would ever buy a house uh, But Counterpoint Like all this shit That fucks up You have to fix it And I'm not ready For that right.
0: kind of responsibility no. no not at all
2: Earlier you mentioned That your dad ran sound For bands So I think that's Kind of interesting Kind of knowing Like I think The rest of My crew or Our band We really started A bond with you too Whenever we Would come up And record with you Yeah Specifically mm-hmm. You know then that That started off A more deep seated Friendship it, it's Like things went To a different level once that started going on, so I think perhaps maybe some of your dad's experience, like being the sound guy for bands, maybe got your interest in the production side of things. Is that what you say sure. that?
3: Well, and so there, at a certain point, I was trying to figure out how to record like guitar parts or song ideas or just record myself so I could listen back and yeah. see like, does this sound okay? And it was right around the time I started playing the guitar and I was using like a computer microphone in front of the amp. And, of course, that sounded like a nightmare. Sure. Uh, but then, uh, like, we got a four-track player. We borrowed a four-track player. And then we were just, like, everyone in my band in high school was, like, passing around this four-track, mm-hmm. kind of learning how to use it. But we didn't know, you know, there, we didn't know what we were doing. Right. I think, you know, the Internet was less of a I – mean, I'm sure there were there was some kind of, like, tutorial out there on the Internet. Sure. Like, how-to guide. We didn't know where it was. It was right. not as easy to find. Right. Uh, Things like that was we, usually
2: found in message
3: boards back in the sure. day. Like Alta Vista wasn't crawling those right. message boards. Um But so w- w- it was kind of like a thing I dabbled in. And then at a certain point I decided like, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to get better at this. Even if, if only so that I don't have to rely on somebody else to record me. Yeah. Because I don't know how to i don't how do i put this i have like trust issues with like here's the thing that's in my head and it's a fully formed idea and i want to i want it to be this way and if i can if i can figure out how to get that result then i don't want somebody somebody else to to manipulate it some well or just have it be a game of telephone which is not to say that like anytime i've recorded with somebody that it is like that usually you know you'd you back out of the situation if you don't have chemistry with, with the person who's recording you because right. it's like, oh, this is going to be fucked up. Or it's going to be it's like a process. their idea of what your band sounds well, like. Right. And unless that's like what Steve you're Albini thinking, treatment. unless that's what you're <laughs> thinking, or if that's like a, an interesting version of it that you want to to see through, then like you back out. But, yeah. but still, like I just, you know, and this is a, a super toxic thing about me, but like I am like a control freak. And it has to be like a certain way. And I've, I've like crippling perfectionism, which is why this record has taken so fucking long. (laughs) Anytime anyone gets involved with me, it's like, yeah, I recorded with Zach last weekend. We were talking about like maybe putting it out in three months and like two fucking years go by. Yeah. And you've got the end result will usually be okay or pretty good or something. But like, I just cannot let it out of my grasp until it's like, where I've, it needs to be. Yeah, sure. Well, and it's yeah. it's like some of this stuff is like ritual that probably makes no difference on how it sounds. It's a bad situation. The the inner yeah. world is a nightmare. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, yeah. I
2: get kind of uh Brian Wilson esque sometimes whenever I just even demoing stuff, you know, it's like I'll especially whenever you start doing the just we'll call it simply, we'll call it the car test, but you take whatever you comprise to a car listen to it yeah yeah then you got to hear it with headphones and you got to hear it on your computer monitors and then you want to hear it on a bluetooth speaker and then you want to hear it in all these versions and often yes you can pick out different things through those experiences so that will lead you back to going back and tinkering with the knobs that's
3: the uh that is the the part about audio that is like the most maddening thing to me because um with visual arts you see it it is there, right. it's apparent, you know, there, there are things like, you know, if, if you're the screen you're looking at at maybe right. is like producing the colors correctly, but the the, the amount that like the thing you're listening on and the room you're listening in, and then maybe right. even your own hearing, Absolutely. uh, can color the sound and make a mix sound different from one place to the next right. is maddening. Right. And, and it's, it's like, uh, what I found just, and I'm not. I'm not, you know, handing down knowledge from on high here. I'm, <laughs> I get by with recording right. and mixing and stuff. Like yeah. it's a thing that I do because I have to do it. But well, like, you do a good, damn my, good job,
2: regardless of what you're saying right
3: now. What I've realized too, it's it's not like I'm going for this thing and I do it, and it's that. It's like I'm trying to triangulate between yeah. this thing I'm hearing here under these circumstances, this thing I'm right. hearing here under these circumstances, and then you're just trying to like mentally split the difference and find a point in the middle where you think it's like where it's supposed to be. And for, I think if I would have known that starting out, that it would be doing this kind of thing, running around in circles, you know, buying things to listen to treating rooms, I would have never, ever done this. We should not (laughs) tell kids about this. (laughs) Oh, I know Uh, that (laughs) your life as someone who cares about audio and recording and engineering is just going to be, Nothing but misery. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and
2: those close to you, in some occasions, I know I was probably driving Pam nuts. Like whenever I was demoing some stuff, and then even sometimes with the podcast when I'm mixing, she'll she knows the process because she knows how much time I spend on it. But she. She'll come in and even watch me. She's like, what are you doing there? And then she'll see me like cut out an audio clip and somebody going, um, 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 Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't realize that there's so much that goes into that. Right. And then even whenever you splice it, it doesn't necessarily sound cohesive. So then you have to work in that context as well. So then sometimes you're making sacrifices that you don't want to.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's, there's a lot of like monotonous stuff that I think at a certain threshold of, of like um, prestige, you don't have to do anymore. Like, I don't think sure like bigger producers do their own editing for instance, but like, right for sure. I'm one guy. And so like I record myself or I record somebody else I'm the one who has to go in and like find every time you breathed and either cut it out yeah. or drop it nine decibels, right. uh, Depending on like what we're going for there. And it's right. like the first time I had to do it was a Meyer Giants record. And I remember thinking, the reason that I have to do this is because I fucked up so badly recording this that I'm picking all this up. And then I find out that like this is just part of the process. Like, yeah. This is what you've, this is what you've resigned to doing when you record. And that's right. Fine. There's a lot of tedium involved. I think the better that your workflow is so that you, like if you can get momentum and do these things fast or almost like automatically, and if you can automate it, great. Finding a way to not have monotony completely shut the whole process down or make it so that there's so much entropy that you lose the creative spark or like lose the magic is just... It's such a weird balancing act. And I feel like every year I think, finally, you know, finally I've figured it out. And everything right. that I did before this was trash. Right. And I'm gonna go back and remix a re, remix and master all of the things yeah. I've ever done. <laughs> I'll never find the time to like do like that. It's like the Louis C.K. move, like you forget the bit you did last year, you're starting a whole new bit. Well, but then like the next year I'm like, everything that I did last year was fucking trash. Yeah. And now I finally and <laughs> So, I mean, for real this time, though, everything that I did before is trash. I finally figured it out. (laughs) And and the Enemy Airship album actually is coming out this year, even if it fucking kills me. I I have to get this record out. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about some of these songs were supposed to be on our, I think, second album. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of these songs predate songs on our second album. They were... I think written around the time of our first EP, I think Ben was still in the band whenever mm-hmm. some of the songs on this record, like Magnetic Light, the first single we put out, whenever that song was like written, Ben was still in the band, which it was, yeah. I mean, what, it's 10 years ago? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like no. I, I need to pass this stone uh, and just get it out of my way. Right. The other thing is, like, I've started making songwriting a practice, like a thing that I don't just do whenever the mood suits me. I think whenever I was like just drinking all the time, it was like whenever the right, you know, the right combination of coming out of a hangover or like getting drunk or, or, or all the, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting to, for my sales to catch this prime brain chemistry cocktail, so right. that I can write a song so that I'll right. be inspired to. And you can't wait around for, you can wait around for that shit, but your output will be abysmal right. and it will be not very often. Um, I mean, that's not true. The, that's not right. that's not true all of the time for everyone. It's kind of but the cer- fi- certainly true for me. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the theory behind
2: another round. Mids Mads, Mads Michaelson, that movie, have you ever seen that the Danish movie where they all have to drink? And what they're drinking, they're drinking to a certain level. And the idea is it's your maximum output as a human being because all of your anxieties are out of the way. This, yeah. that, the other thing. It's a theory that you have to maintain a certain level of blood alcohol content. So all these teachers mm-hmm. take a pack to do it. Yeah. And their relationships start to deteriorate and stuff because they
3: slowly slip into alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun as hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, but uh, I, I've tried to like make it like a, a thing that I practice uh like every day whether I want to or not I'll play a little I'll write a little and so as I've you know worked on this over the years and kind of made my space more conducive to just like being in the zone immediately when I make the time to do it I've been writing a lot more and writing better songs than most of the stuff that we're putting out on this record and so now like we as a band like I'll, and then i'll bring it to band practice or we'll like jam out like just a riff or something and at this point there's like an another album and a half of enemy airship songs that are just like backing wow. up behind this constipation of 10 year old songs yeah. and it's like what is this ever going to come out i'm probably going to like get in a horrific car accident before any of this shit ever comes out and someone's going to go through my voice memos and they're going to find just a couple solid gold hits and then they're going to find some like
1: uh, questionable things no they're just going to uh, find
3: me like every dumb thought that crosses my mind I'll record it you know and I, I found a voice memo the other day where I was like why does Brazil get the cool space flag and it's like who did I make this for Who did I think was gonna hear this and be like, "Yeah, why did Brazil get the cool space flag? What the fuck is this?" (laughs) You're uh, slowly writing yourself a bit to be played in your final days. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it. That's that is the other motivation of getting this out. Over the last couple of years, we've lost some some greats, and apparently, like Prince has like just an archive of of shit that Prince didn't think was good enough to put out. But Eddie Van Halen too. But it's all like just the best shit ever. Yeah. If anyone else, it would be like career defining. And he was right. just like, this doesn't meet my standards. Right. And then after he's dead, someone's going through it. And look, I have no, I'm not entertaining any delusions of like, uh, <laughs> even, even like three or four people giving a shit, but I don't want like my family to be digging through stuff and be like, man, this song fucking sucks <laughs> that they hear in my voice memos. Cause I didn't like get the thing that I polished out. I don't know. I just don't want to leave behind a bunch of voice memos that yeah. never got to fly. Yeah. Uh,
2: another interesting <laughs> thing too, you're talking about kind of the older song. So as enemy airship, you covered a non-returner song too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you revisiting that material
3: too, that, and, and, and flushing it out further. Sure. and And that one was like, Uh, non-returner when we recorded that the first time was a three-piece and then it was a we did it again and it was a four-piece with like Mike on guitar and john paul on bass and then like we just played it in practice a lot and michael just made up a new bass part because you know he didn't know what john paul was playing and uh and then we kind of changed it a little and then we we decided you know let's Sounded better that way? Record it. I, I don't know. I don't know if it yeah. sounded better, but it was like what we were doing at the time. And, mm-hmm. and so it seemed like we should record it. And it, there have been a few times where we will be in practice and we'll like play a non returner song, except that it's different because like I had a whole keyboard and, you know, beats right. rig, and then Michael was on a different instrument entirely. But it's kind of fun to go back and be a little revisionist of your musical output there. I actually speaking of which, and since you guys are here a couple of years ago, I I was like, man, I am a terrible engineer and I need to go back and remaster all of the Meyer Giants records. And so I started (laughs) to, and honestly, that shit sounded really good. And then I just (laughs) like, never went back to it. Someday it's someday it's coming. (laughs)
1: i promise (laughs) wink 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 don't trust the word that i'm saying but
3: no i started i I mean the the takes and like the performances there are fucking awesome and i just like was listening to it on completely just ass circumstances and trying to get some and i yeah you know anyway i'm sorry that i did (laughs) such a fucked uh, up job on this no 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 no
2: no we enjoy like that was the best experience we ever i'll say ever had recording with anybody that's like anytime we even, even though it never happened, whenever we had some material to go back and record again, it's like, you know, we were kind of getting to those stages. It's like, we need to get with Zach. And we definitely had a good this. time. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. lots the, of good times. Some
3: of the, some of the photo the evidence the I look home. at and I start getting like a pain <laughs> in my liver, the one over the, the, um, picnic table that's yes. got like. Yeah. three or four hundred beers and that yeah. was the first night like no wonder i feel like shit yeah. all the time i'm rotting on the inside
4: and there was like 40s mixed in there
3: yeah 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 it was sad
4: and <laughs> kind of depressed yeah. it's amazing that, that we side. got
3: the the yeah. performances that we did though right I, I can't like, believe you guys could play through that i know that i did spend some of the tracking laying on the ground trying not to vomit I mean, and then yeah. did vomit
4: i yeah. remember we went out Somewhere or whatever, and came back completely shit faced after like drinking. That was the f- that was too. the first
3: EP. Um, we yeah. went to Broadway Brewery for like a Sunday or Saturday brunch and drank yeah. like three or four Bloody Marys apiece. Yeah, and I went back. Uh, and yeah. yeah. I sound Never. like a real piece of shit on your podcast <laughs> <laughs> describing my uh, describing my past um, consumption habits hey we, hey we we all had uh, some pretty bad experiences uh. I mean I, I'm, I'm a boy from St. Francis County in my my mid 30s I definitely had a right nightmare drinking phase
2: Oh yeah for sure we all we all have and it, it was funny how quickly we would do that stuff too with you. You know, the first time we went up was essentially a twenty-four hour period or so. Mm-hmm. I think we like, came up late on one night and stayed an entire night the following night, perhaps. But, and then we made more of a three-day weekend out of it mm-hmm. uh, the second time that we went up there. But I
4: think
1: we did four,
2: didn't we? Well, we did it. We drove back. We came back to do some finishing work too. Yeah, well, on it,
3: both occasions,
4: I
2: think.
3: There was like you the know? the bedrock tracks on the first CP, which the the. <laughs> I think it was like a, two audio interfaces like da- daisy chained together, yeah. and not in a way yeah. that they were intended to be, but in like the most bullshit, fucked up way. I think there was a there is a computer microphone on that on that EP, um, but you know, live and learn. The next one I had much better stuff, and it sounded much better. But we got the bedrock tracks down, and then you came up to do over, guitar overdubs yeah. once. Everyone came up for that, I think. And then Jake came up by himself once to do vocals. And the funny thing is, like, I'm, you know, me and Jake are good friends. Yeah. You know, Jake comes up to to record Dire Babe stuff with me all the time. Yeah. Very comfortable being, like, alone with Jake. We hang out. We, we, you know, have intimate conversations with each other. Sure. Where's this leading to? (laughs) (laughs) Whenever Jake came up to record vocals, I'd never been alone with him before. And I knew him the least. And I was like, I don't know about this guy. I'm a little bit scared that Jake is. And of course it was like wonderful, you know, hang out with him for the first time being like, Oh, I love this guy. He's great. Um, uh, Funny thing is I'm pretty sure that Jake and I are like cousins a couple times removed. We figured out. Oh really? off of ancestry.com oh my god so my mom's uh maiden name is lawrence okay um and i was like i wonder if that's a thing and my sister has an ancestry.com account and she's like big into genealogy and so i started digging around and found a common ancestor so so that's wild cousin jake yeah there you go now it's cousin jake but anyways i was i was afraid he was gonna be a real weirdo (laughs) whenever he came up to do overdubs and he's a weirdo just in a way that but in a way that you know is
2: is compatible with my own weirdness Weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure we're all quirky dudes in that way for sure i also want to kind of talk to you about how you ended up in columbia i believe
3: you went there on scholarship right initially yeah so i was a band kid but i also i was in theater guild and there was a a musical whenever I was a junior, maybe a sophomore in high school. And I tried out for it and I sang like in a band in public on a PA system that made it sound like a CB radio. Yeah. Couldn't really hear my voice so well. Right. I tried out for a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and the choir teacher was like, Oh, you have a really good voice. You should join these various choirs in high school. And so I did. and I got really into that. Loved singing choir, you know, I regret deeply that I am not a religious man because I would love to be in a church choir. I would love to just be in a yeah. choir and have someone like run warm ups on me every couple of days because yeah. like I do it myself, but I need somebody to be there. Yeah, and be, kind of push you. Yeah. Make make me go for the high notes
1: and stuff. Yeah. But
3: um but yeah, so I got really into choir and applied for or I, I auditioned for a choir scholarship um at Mizzou and I was gonna at first I was going to go to Webster to do audio engineering and then like yeah. all of my, I made the the awesome decision to follow my friends to a school I didn't want to go to and get a sure. major that I was not all that interested in getting. And uh, so I decided to go to Mizzou instead and I did get the choir scholarship. So I was up there for a semester, crippling anxiety took over. Yeah. I got a credit card for the first time in my life. And immediately oh, yeah. went to Walmart <laughs> yeah. and got uh, a GameCube and, yeah. like, a bunch of games, WaveBird controller. I didn't have a job. Yeah. I just had a credit card. Right. And they gave it to me. Right. Uh, you know, they... I, uh, uh, and so I majored that semester in Metroid Prime and Super Monkey Ball as my minor. <laughs> and then they kicked me out of school for not going to class. Uh, and that's... That was the start of my, uh, my troubled career in academia. I did finish a degree eventually many years later, yeah after racking up th- tens of thousands of dollars in student yeah. debt, but you know. so, so so all my friends were up there. I, I played in a couple of bands w- during that semester and Michael stayed up there, never moved. The guy was my friend Zach was playing uh, drums in the band with me whenever I was up there. He still lived up there. And so I was just thinking like, I'm in, I'm back in Farmington again, you know, I'm taking a year off just, yeah. you know, whatever, uh, hanging out at Plank Road Inn, getting jacked up on coffee <laughs> and then I'm going to try to go back to school, but eventually I got to get back to Columbia to be in a band because, you know, right, just I'm going for that dead end future. <laughs> it's like a regional musician. Uh, and so it was always like the idea that I'm going to get back there, but I was like, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go to Webster and get an audio engineering degree. Uh, that'll never get me a job anywhere. Uh, so that I can record the, this band that I intend to be in when I move back to Columbia yeah. and just, I guess, you know, be put in debtor's prison or something Yeah. But, um, so it was always, like, the goal to get back there, to get back to, to Michael and Zach. And and um, it was the first time, like, you know, Farmington and sort of the Farmington area had music and bands. Right. But it was not a lot. And it was, like, right. absolutely nothing like I was playing. It was a lot of metal. It was a lot of, like, harder music. There was... Yeah. I didn't feel like this was a place where there was very friendly to the kind of stuff that I was making or wanted to make. So moving to Columbia for the first time in that first semester and going to like house shows and stuff and seeing these bands, like, you know, this is something that I could see myself, you know, I could see making this kind of music or, or these people at least being in the orbit of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think at that time, like, there was a house show. This is like completely anecdotal, but there's like a house show that I went to, and one of Justin Hardy's bands, um, I think it was like Carry On Killaway, played in the floor, fucking collapsed. Uh, I don't know. Wow. And that's, that's when I knew that I needed to be a part yeah. of it. That. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, for real, though, like seeing that stuff kind of made me feel like this is a thing I could belong to. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't really know anything about sports. I'm not like a dude in a way that I can hang out with other dudes without being really weird or having to like tone match with dudes in a way. Right. right. But this is a way where I could be around other creative people that are maybe kind of, you know, fucked up in the same way that I am, or like at least, uh, I have something in common with. And so like, I, It was this weird, almost self-destructive impulse to get back to Columbia no matter what. And I, this, it brought me back there several times before, like I made it work and then started to think like, oh, I actually could record again instead of it's this thing I put away. Right. Uh, Now I'm going to try it again. And that was actually with, with you guys the first time I tried it again. Yeah. And... From the stuff I learned from that, like, oh, I need to get a couple of these things. I need a couple more channels to get a good drum sound. I need a couple more mics. Uh, yeah. And then I recorded Smithereens, uh, the the second enemy airship thing. And then with the stuff I learned from that, I recorded the one with you guys. Yeah. And then ever since then, it's just been like, this is a thing that I do. But like, I hung up recording for a long, long time. It was like a thing I was going to school for and like considered it to be like a big part of my life. And then I was just like, you know, a a, a discouraging failure, shut the whole thing down or something. I don't know. And I just like, you just kind of got in your own head and lost your passion for it. (laughs) Fuck this shit. (laughs) Like I I guess lost my passion for, but also it's, it's so was more so than is now like so cost prohibitive to do it. I remember the first time I got a USB interface, which like now you can, get one at walmart probably but the first time i got one it was like this is
0: wild shit like
3: you know i don't have to have all this like outboard gear and all like preamps and stuff i've just got this box right and, and i can record and and you know as long as i don't mind the amount of editing that i have to do i can make a full thing that's not all recorded at once as it became less and less cost prohibitive but also like as just necessity came in and
2: made me do it yeah i know you were involved in several different things in columbia too outside of just being in bands like i mean this is connected to music but and recording people but yards and gods
3: there was yeah it's kind of an affiliate like what started that i remember exactly when that started too it was at a show in kirksville with a band called ursus arctos they were called kodiak at the time the guy who did the artwork for our first two eps clint was, was in the, that band. And we were all like, I think, certainly not me, but somebody was smoking pot in the car and we were all out there with them. Uh, And we were sitting in the parking lot of this bowling alley. And we were like, we should, we're never going to get signed to a label. So we should just start a co-op that also includes like visual art. And that was the, you know, that was the original intent. It was going to be like, not just music. And then, we kind of started asking a couple other people, like other bands, like, would you want to get in on this? It's like, we don't have any money. We can't like, we don't have connections, but like we can kind of pool our pool our resources right. and put stuff out together. Right. And then also just kind of put out compilations. We can all kind of tr- try to try to r- right. raise the tide for everybody. And sure. I don't yeah. know how well we did with that, but it, it was like, it was a cool thing to be a part of. You know, it was also another... T- it was another one of those things where it was like, oh, I finally like belong in this this right. community. And so right. whenever Logan and I like moved back to Farmington for a while, we were disconnected from it and still trying to participate in it. And, right. and then we moved back and it kept going for a couple more years, but then Columbia is, is a very transient town. It's right. a college town. Right, right. People come and go. Also like music is kind of a transient thing. There are like lifer's and then there are yeah. people who do it in their 20s and then they're just like I've had enough of this. Right. Or they're just like, you know, maybe they get a job like a big big kid job somewhere and right. they just don't have time for it. All kinds of reasons sure. that people don't do it. So yeah, we just kind of like let it die, but we never stopped putting yards and gods on the enemy airship stuff because right. it's like what do I put in for the label? Right. I mean, I sure. guess it's yeah. I guess this is legitimate as it ever was. So sure. um So then for a while I was recording bands at my house and it was like a lot of the same people that were in these bands the ones that stuck around anyway yeah i just started calling the studio that and um yeah i think i even like reached out to several people like hey is this okay because i didn't want to be right. like well actually i'm yards and gods but sure. which is fucking crazy because there was like you know dozens of us and a lot yeah. of a lot of like really talented people doing a lot of Like, really cool shit that, you know, I would not have been able to do on my own. Guess people were fine with it. Uh, You know, no one one said no to me. (laughs) No one said no to me, and I'm sorry to, you know, if that pissed anyone off. I live in St. Louis now. I live in, like, a little shotgun house. Mm -hmm. I record myself there. I guess I could record drums there if I wanted to, but, like, I'm definitely going to have to do that at utopia or something like record drums somewhere else and maybe do the rest of it at my house yeah i'm not in the position where like people can like just book studio time with me anymore so it seems like i don't need to have a website about this you know right we didn't release anything for seven years Mm -hmm. maybe not well there are the singles but like now that we're releasing stuff again and i have to fill that box out again i'm I'm just thinking like still got life yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's this other thing too. I've been recording a record with Jake and that's going to have to go somewhere too. Um, right. we're, we're going to try to get, we're going to like, I think, I think me and Michael are going to do some legwork and try to get that out there. Like people listening to it. Yeah. Cause Jake, Jake kind of just puts stuff out quietly and then yeah people find it and it's, right. it's wonderful. And he has some rabid fans, but we're going to like actually do some like proactive work with it. And I was just thinking like, well, this is basically what we were doing back then too. So, so it's, it's a thing again, I guess, um, in this pipe dream. Sure. But I don't know what that's
2: going to look like. That's kind of too was the intent that I brought the podcast back to was to try and create another vehicle to pay it forward and mm-hmm. be a part of the community, because sure. I can have anybody on, you know, that's the kind of the concept of the show.
3: And you invited trash like me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and this guy yeah.
2: and, <laughs> just blew in yeah. on a hot summer's day yeah, with yeah. the breeze. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Whenever you have more people participating in something toward a common goal, and that, that goal is just to get your music out, get your information out, you know, what you might be doing. I talked to a jujitsu ju- guy last week, you know, so... Mm-hmm anything that i'm even interested in even marginally i know that there's other people that are interested in it so it's just really just about exposing people to other stuff but whenever you have bands in this instance two different bands mm-hmm. kind of carrying that flag together it's going to get the name out further for each of your way if you like this you might like that
3: for sure and and which is not to say like if if a label had interest in putting something out mm-hmm. if they were actually going to do something that you know was useful to us we wouldn't be like no we're on yards and gods until <laughs> sure until sure. i fucking die in the right. you know in obscurity like that's but f- it it is a thing to put in a box and it's also like sort of a the spirit in which it's done i guess yeah. like uh, kind of just musicians that or artists that are kind of not down and out but maybe don't aren't plugged in I don't, this is, this is something that I've always kind of felt too. Like as much as I did go to these places and feel like, oh, this is my crowd. Right. We've always kind of at least felt like we were not plugged into the Columbia music scene in a way that I see like a lot of bands and that's sure fine. We're off-putting people. I'm, <laughs> I'm an extreme, you know, trying to be less unlikable, but uh, an off-putting person nevertheless. And so I get it. Uh, but like people that kind of just aren't plugged in, and like it's it's a fit that we're musicians, perhaps, yeah. and maybe around these, you know, in, in the in the perimeter of of these scenes, right. but also like we're just sort of some dumb Hicks from St. Francis County. Yeah. And so like, let's, yeah. you know, that's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm even Ridge,
1: fucking talking
2: no, about. Well, bridge and I had a similar experience too in the band that we were in and we were statues, which turned into worlds was that uh, was Era records. And I had uh, Nathan on the show a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and you know, that we, we understand that he, out of the kindness of his own heart, you know, put us on comps and got our name out there sold you know cds digital downloads of our stuff mm. specifically yeah, he
4: was an amazing dude i mean he yeah. did a lot for us i don't think we would have anything would have happened with us really but outside of st francis sure. county if we didn't meet
2: yeah i people, mean anytime uh, he had a show in like illinois area or whatever he would yeah. invite him out and, and um
4: and the label was hella dope i mean like putting on like, what there was two physical comps and one digital or yeah maybe one yeah one it was I. I even think expire was on one. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to look back on and see like we were on a comp with. Right. Expire.
2: Yeah. Well, Nathan but, provided a lot of opportunities for various people. Yeah. Just by that affiliation, and it was ju- it was just a brotherhood. There was no money's changing hands or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a similar concept, and really knowing everybody's in this game for the same ultimate goal there should be a a brotherhood rather than you know people trying to cut each other's throats or you know whatever that's a room on top
3: and that it's interesting that you say that that is like a a hard learned lesson i think and one that i have to work at a lot and it's whenever you're like a, a local band or a regional band there's only really so much like there's only so many people who go to shows. They're not going to go to every single show. Right. There's only so much like there's only so much love to go around. And right. so you start I I feel like not everyone will cop to it, but everybody not just musicians, but everyone in like these small creative scenes right. have varying levels of overt jealousy. Right. And you don't even people that you love you're like, "Man, I wish that was me." And there's some like Awful part of you who's just like, when, when, it, you know, there's like ill will because sure. it's like, when's going to no, be my exactly. time? Yeah. And that is so fucking poisonous. And you have yeah. to like actively every day wake up and kill that thing in your head because right. like you instead look around at like your friends or even just people you know or people who have like opened themselves up to you and look at the cool shit they do and like celebrate that because like there's it's not even the like self-serving what is it like the rising tide lifts all ships type of thing it's not even that it's just like you're so fucking lucky that you're around creative people doing cool things that you are not just merely enduring because you know we've all been to some terrible you know local band sets it's it's miserable and instead you're going and watching these your friends go up there and fucking kill it. And it's awesome. Yeah. Don't walk away from that thinking like, man, I got to go home and I got to do, and I got to one up and all. Right. It's such a, it's such a horrible impulse. And it's yeah. like, you have to really fucking work at it. The or, thing, you know, I know,
2: kind of around the same lines that I would feel occasionally is if those people that I, didn't necessarily have a high value for it. we'll just put it that way. It's an oversimplification. Mm-hmm. but if I saw those people in the scene getting something that I perceived that they didn't deserve, yeah. as far as adulation, attention, uh, getting on a big ticket bill with a, a, a touring band or whatever a label band, whatever the mark the demarcation was mm-hmm. at the time, you know, that's the thing that I struggled with mm-hmm. And then in, at times it would even in, like discourage me to the sense it's like, what's the point? Like why am I even playing?
3: right well and and there's all of these things are like it's this competitiveness that doesn't belong in these in these um crafts and mm-hmm. it it's like kind of th- like this zero-sum shit that we've internalized from just right. I, mean, I mean honestly from growing up in america sure. probably sure. you
2: know but um i mean really it's an entitlement what i'm kind of talking about it's like really if you flip the the perceptions around the wheels around, if you will, it's like me expecting I deserve something too. Right. right. From an outsider looking in. So what right do I have? Sure. And, and some yeah. of
3: it too is like, you start to think about things in terms of like inputs and outputs. And whenever the inputs are, I practice my ass off and I try to really work at my shit. And I put in all this time and energy and the output must be this thing that I've got my heart set on. And if it isn't that, you know, you just can't deal because it's right. it's it, being a musician and having success with it. Sure. Seems like a lottery. It doesn't hurt if you're good at it, but and it doesn't hurt if you're connected and it doesn't hurt if you're in the right place at the right, right time. Right. But right. so much of it is a lottery. There's just too many people doing it for you to expect things to be a matter of like, if you just work hard enough at it, you're going to be the next Bruce Springsteen. Right. You're just fucking not, you know, right. No one ever will be again. A, but you know, sure. That kind of fame is not attainable anymore. And there is one boss, (laughs) but, but also like you just to expect that because you did a thing, you get a thing. Uh, right, right. It's so much more complicated than that. And, and it breeds this sort of like jealousy and negative shit. And you just like, you have to recognize yeah. it and then shut that shit down immediately.
2: This is Barrett from the ATI podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick and mortar mom and pop shop. We will be spotlighting folks in their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. What kind of helped me get over it, who's to say, maybe I'll have those feelings again in the future. I I can't say for sure. But what I where I started to progress beyond that mindset was as I started more focusing on like what was what was my next goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we were playing a show with somebody and I saw that oh, they're gonna play this show that we deserve to play. Just to put it simply again, uh, you know, okay, well, what's our next move? Are we going to record? Well, let me put my thought process into that Mm -hmm. and getting music out there. But the thing that comes with recording music too, unfortunately, you don't get the instant satisfaction or feedback, if you will, you know, that crowd response sometimes that you have at a live show setting Mm -hmm. too. So there's a vulnerability there that you set on for, you know, a period of time. And even then you're expecting feedback sometimes that you, you don't get. yeah. You know, and, and that <laughs> that's like a huge cavernous anxiety, deep, dark hole for me yeah. to slip into, I can say. You know, same, but I'm same. seeing with your guys' new singles that you have out, you guys are getting some attention. KDHK, I think, the KD, independent, yeah. right?
3: So Hindsight played us like two weeks in a row, which was fucking awesome. Like I love yeah. that show. Yeah, it's great. I, I the Wednesday night block on KDHX is like I've been listening to that shit since I was in high school. Not no. no. I don't know if this show has been that show had been around, but like juxtaposition Right. So to be on that was a trip. But yeah, like you know, I I feel like aside from the perfectionism stopping me from completing things, there's a big Thing where I don't want to make myself vulnerable because, you know, I I have a lot of negative self-talk. There is is a voice in my head that is the worst just shit-talking monster, but just to me. And I don't want to give others the opportunity Mm -hmm. to, like, agree with that guy. Right. Because, you know, I feel like if I see any kind of negative criticism that I can that I've heard in there. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, it's right about everything. Yeah, it's actually it, right about a, everything. In a way that's
2: just like preconceived notions, you know, uh, but creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, exactly. in many respects. Exactly.
3: Well, it's fortune, it, it's fortune telling too, to some degree. And, but it's also like there have already been people who don't like these, these things. We've submitted this sure. music to like blogs and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And people will, tell us back what they think of the songs and like magnetic, white's it's too long. You got to cut out the middle section. And I might consider this, if this, and, oh and my it's, God. well, I mean, but I've even thought the same thing at certain times. Like it, it is a, I have a couple of r- r- thoughts related to this, but one of them is like, you're just not going to be everyone's cup of tea. They're, no. They're either sure. they're either A not going to get what you're going for, or B, they're gonna get it and they just don't like it. And that's fucking fine. It has to be. I don't yeah. I don't love everything that I hear. I, I can recognize the that some it might be somebody else's cup of tea, but like you can't let you can't let the the need to have nobody think bad things about you, stop you from making something because right, then, right. then they really will think like absolutely nothing about you because you right. don't exist. Or I mean, maybe that's not, a you're just level. a shell okay. of a person. <laughs> but, I know what you're But you're saying. not, you're not doing, you're not doing, doing it for the right reasons either. You're also, you're not, you're not doing the thing that you need to do that makes you, you that defines you. You're just like hiding it away. Cause you're so scared of what people think and that fucking sucks. Yeah. But like, I want to actually, just a quick non sequitur here. Earlier, Ridge, you said something got into my broccoli plants. Yes. Were you talking about <laughs> you got into some broccoli in the fridge? Is that a, what you were saying? Is that Was that your way of saying it?
4: No, no, no. Well, uh, no. no, I did. Okay. I did get the broccoli from my fridge. Okay, I up, thought that was like an extremely nice. clever joke. Then, that, yeah, just oh,
3: like yeah. Don. I was... Talking, and I was just like, is that what he was trying to get at? completely (laughs) fucked me up.
2: I also saw that you guys were published in the St. Louis Culture Magazine there. I think that was kind of the beginning of some of the media attention, at least that I saw on social media that you were getting.
3: Well, and that was like a surprise. I don't know. A friend of mine knows that person, but I don't know how that person even heard about us. So, like, I just got a message one morning that was like, I always a good day when I wake up and see my friend's band in the culture section of St. Louis magazine. I was like, what, this has to be a mistake. And it's crazy. It's right here. This person also, uh, published that. I said I was putting a single out in one month, like published my unreachable deadline. And so I just like freaked out through the entire month (laughs) of March, blew the deadline completely. I think partially because of the pressure, but also because I'm just a, nightmare person <laughs> uh, but it's still
4: worth the wait it was only like what like a week
3: couple weeks then, yeah. it's a couple yeah. weeks to, like six weeks yeah i mean it was a long time let's be yeah. real but it was just funny to me like so i've been really careful with this thing that i'm gonna go ahead and say it it is coming out on the 27th there's another single coming out okay it's this is the third thing i promise Ooh. i promise it's coming out <laughs> in the 20s. no it really it has to later. it fucking has to <laughs> but um i've been so hesitant to mention it at all and i posted like uh like a clip of the animation and like part of a verse or something a yeah. couple weeks ago and i was careful to not say this is part of a single coming out this month because like you know it's gonna be it's going to yeah. be tight. <laughs> nice, dude. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's no I mean it's going to be tight that I actually oh, you're get tight it in on time. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, song is, the song is the song's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's it's a third string sing. No, it's the other two while not like you know, the same type of song are sort of sound like they came from the same band. This one is like more post-punk. It's a lot harder. Okay. It's a little bit different than the other two.
2: Well, that's a that's a thing that I like about your band as well, and we mentioned it in the open, is that it infuses a lot of different genres. You know, I've heard things such as you know post punk, new wave, indie pop, you know those those references, and Mm -hmm. they're 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 accurate. But I think there's an element of shoegaze in your music as well, obviously. Too is there any other inspirations behind the sound of the band or are you dreaming these songs up i mean
3: it's weird because you don't ever really know what you sound like and what i mean by that is like everything that you perceive is colored by let me just give an example whenever you hear my song mm-hmm. you don't think what's this you know, maybe you do think this you, you, like oh what the fuck is this got to turn it off you think like, oh, this is a guy I know who made this music. And so now now the expectations are maybe a little lower, a little bit higher. It depends on who it is. Yeah. But like there are all of these circumstances surrounding it. And so it colors your perception of what you're hearing. Right. For me, I am the guy. Right, who's right, doing right. the thing and so like i don't know what the fuck this stuff sounds because like because you're so
2: close right. to it you're so close to it right. and
3: you 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 also like well oh, i know what i was listening to at the time what inspired it i know maybe what i'm going for you know and you you maybe you get close maybe you get way off and it's it's your yeah. own you know thing but um i know i can tell you what inspires me but i can't really say like what how that gets into the music because yeah. to me it's all like we have a lot of conversations in practice like is this is this like too x or y is this like even fit this band and it's like yeah. anytime anyone hears anything we do they're like it sounds like enemy airship and sure i really wish i knew what that was what does yeah. that sound like i mean i'm 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 even just soliciting this (laughs) opinion from you like what the fuck do we sound like and can you write our press bio because this this has been a a problem for like 10 years dude i didn't tell
2: you this actually so like i was up mad madly working on one of the podcast episodes and it was one of the episodes that we had one of your songs on Uh, i believe it was whenever we played false economy Mm -hmm. on that episode and like i wrote out like this eloquent thing about your band And I went to post it and something happened and it didn't post. And I could not remember for the life of me what I wrote. The simulation won't let me me win. (laughs) I was so mad, dude. I was so, so mad at myself because I was just like in that right mode of creativity. I was like really tired, but I was like a little buzzed. And I was like, you know, just a little bit of inspiration. I was like, you know what? I can do this one last thing. So I put on some of your music and I started writing one out and I fucking lost all of it.
1: I mean, I wish I could have read that. I I Um, felt pretty
2: confident about it. It was one of the best things I'd
3: written in a long time. Eric Danielson, who writes for the Columbia Tribune, and and I think he's maybe got a book coming out too. I actually uh,
2: used his quote in the uh, opening
3: of the show today. He, I guess it was yesterday. I don't know if that's when it was published, but that's when I saw it. Posted Mm -hmm. that thing and like, man, that I was. I I felt like it nailed. uh, well, no, I, I like teared up in the office and I had to like duck into a bathroom oh, and I was like, fuck, um, like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, feed myself into a wood chip or go, you know, drive into the Mississippi. Well, you certainly you know. should not do those
2: things, but I know that like, that was kind of a more recent feedback that you got. I saw you guys were on the, uh, I think it's in the social media outlet, but the unsigned where they promote yeah. bands and artists. Yeah. Is that something that you reached out to somebody? Yeah, we we
3: like submit it to to places and, you know, most of them say, fuck you or don't respond. (laughs) um, But yeah, sometimes they do. And sometimes it works. Although with with, you mentioned false economy that came out in uh, 2016 and that was going to be the first single from this record uh, which which <laughs> <I see. laughs> one of the three times we've completely scrapped and re-recorded this record uh but that was supposed to be the first single oh. and i don't know how people found it but within like a couple of days we're just like googling we would google our name and find like blogs from you know like here's one from china here's one from greece here's one from yeah. japan how the fuck are people finding this? Right, you yeah. know, and it was just out there. Which you know, that's not happened with this at all. Like, I think I don't know if it's just different times in the last six know. years or something, but yeah. or if it had something to do with like um, my friend Tucker made the video, and I don't know where he posted that. Um, he might have gone on a promotion blitz for it or something, mm-hmm. but but it it got out there, and like a lot of people heard it. It was very weird. I will say this is like the most we've done any kind of like trying to get people to listen to it that aren't our friends. Yeah. Um, and like our, it's wild and extremely humbling to see like how many people are like listening to us on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Very weird. And also like Michael and I will go in and ch- check the stats. This uh, this is terrible. Yeah. Nah. I, but uh, we're like looking at him, and sure. I feel like is this what it's like to be into the stock
0: market? When the number yeah. goes down,
3: I'm depressed. <laughs> when the number goes up, I'm, yeah, I can't explain why, I, but I'm in such a great
2: mood. Again, to, it's uh, it's a part of that instant satisfaction that you get out of actually playing live music. Though that's kind of a part of being a musician is you get that experience, you get that instant feedback back to that point. Yeah, and sometimes whenever you're putting stuff out and you're waiting for that feedback, that can be kind of daunting. But I, sure. I've seen nothing but positive stuff. I know you say you got some bad responses. You sure. know?
3: I, I mean, can, but it's but it's like it's never been like it's always gonna be Fuck that. you, quit music There's or always something. always gonna be somebody. Yeah, it, it's always right. like it's always some asshole. It's never like s- crazy negative. There's only yeah. one time that I think that I ever read like a published review that was so negative that it like just fucked me up and it was for like the, the non-returner full length. Yeah. There was this publication in Columbia. It was like student like J school people uh, called the Bathosphere, And this guy wrote a review of the record. The first like two sentences are extremely positive. And then he's like, but the singer just oh my fucking God. Real oh, yeah. No. I rem, I think about this guy. Damn still to this day and it's like why would you even why would you even I mean some of the stuff he said was really fucking shitty and I'm just thinking like why would you say this about somebody I don't know yeah whatever 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 don't look at me (laughs) but yeah no that that sucks and I I, I think too ever since then like I've been really guarded about because I see a lot of people that will like post things on Instagram of like here's a song that I am writing or like, right, here's a right, demo. Right. And I've done that a couple times in the last couple of years and it nearly gives me a heart attack every time sure. or I'll put stuff up and just delete it. And it's like, I know that some of these are good ideas and I know that like yeah. the recordings are at least they sound good, but I'm so terrified of that feeling that from just the feeling that I had when I read that and just like, Oh, I put so much of my heart and soul into this thing and this guy just like, Right fucking shit into my mouth yeah
2: yeah well you know whenever you're putting your music out there it's an extension of you an expression of you and that's again a vulnerable space vulnerable space that people are coming into and you know i know that i would have probably very similar reactions if somebody would
3: I come after this. me like that i will say this i think that there was like a point for in the 2000s where it was like the pitchforkification of like all kind of opinion, um, right, right? Stuff right. like reviews were yeah. You have to be you know edgy and well, or just you you have to have the snarkiest yeah, like, yeah. A, a, the snarkiest high most highfalutin opinion of everything. And you like gleefully shit on things and talk
2: down to everybody and your readers. It's it's
3: not, it's not really like that anymore. Like I, I, even just like I mentioned pitchfork, you go and read a pitchfork review. That's like not a good number. And it's still extremely positive. Right. Which, uh, like it,
2: like I found myself finding bizarre sometimes the rating that they would give it out of 10, Versus the contents of the article and the things that they would say. So like all these positive, like to your point, all these positive laden phrases in there. And then you go look up at the final score and it's like, like a six. Yeah. Like a 6.9. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I don't.
3: Right. That- well, and I, I think people are just, no one wants it. I don't think anyone wanted to read that shit. Then nobody wants to read somebody be a dick or maybe they do. I don't, I guess I, we did just spend like, you know, a a some guy got elected from running on the platform of, like, look how fun it is that I'm, like, such a prick. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I just think that there's, like, not much... There's not as much of an appetite for that kind of, like, review anymore. Right. But Mm -hmm. I should also, like,
2: be... I've always been of the opinion that you can find something that you like in just about anything. I mean, don't get me wrong; there's exceptions, but I try to give anything a chance. And I like all kinds of genres of music. Like today, for example, I posted up some of the records my wife got me for our anniversary. I've got The Cure, I've got Kurt Vile, and I've got Kid Cudi. So that kind of talks about you know various musical interests that I have. But. But if you are giving anything a chance, there's there's a chance that you could also find something that you like in that. And that's kind of the the thing that that was a huge awakening for me coming to local shows back in the day was the fact that you could experience some other band from other uh, other genres that or they were inspired by bands of genres that you weren't even aware of. And then that would send you down a whole rabbit hole
3: for sure. For sure you know,
2: Like I can remember Example like when Ridge and I started Playing music together And he introduced me To Converge I have a Converge tattoo yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know That tells you Everything that you need to know That's one of my All time favorite bands <laughs> We've driven all the way To Nashville to see them Yeah You know uh,
4: Six times maybe Or more I
2: I think six I've seen Four times. or five Yeah
4: Yeah And then
2: This also ties into That affiliation conversation With like the Yards and Gods talk And the Air Records talk Like that We had it's nice to have that network of positivity at least build a foundation and build yeah. on, even if you are getting oh, yeah. some of this negative press. And then also, you know, but you are getting positive press back to that point too. For sure.
3: Well, and I, I will say this. And
2: that's got to put some wind in your sails too.
3: Right. But I will say this. I It's something that I've like tr- tried to work on to have a better relationship with making music because like there's a lot of my impulse to do it even that is like, it comes from a place of like profound mental illness and brokenness. And you can take that and make something beautiful with it. Yeah. Or you can take that and just do something that is so self-serving and ugly. I don't think I was ever like that, but there, there are all of those little, you know, the right. jealousies and but the those things, things they come are in,
2: fostered in the same environment a,
3: a, and fear of negative response and fear of it not right, being right. Every, everyone's cup of tea. And I've made it a point, you know, some, some of this comes from just like, I've been, I haven't had a drink in like two and a half years, uh, of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big problem. And I decided like, I'm, I either need to just like drink myself to death and just be done with it. Or I need to start like working on myself and fix these things about myself that I don't like. And one of these things is drinking. And one of these things is like my relationship with making music. And making it a healthier thing and making, taking some of these, like some of my shittier impulses about it that are like very base and reptilian uh, and like reexamining it and, and like fixing these things and healing these things. And one of them, it had to be doing things that I knew that somebody out there might say, this is boring this is fucking stupid. Like I hate your voice. You're a bad guitar player. This music sounds like everything I've ever heard. All of the criticisms you can volley at a fucking indie rock band from Missouri. Sure. Uh, Like absolutely be prepared for those things because if you go into it with the, just Paralyzed in fear, you are not going to take the risks that you need to take with the song. You're not going to put yourself out there. You're not going to be able to be vulnerable in any way that anyone will ever connect with you. You are going to polish this thing and make just you're going to make a song for a car commercial. If you are not willing to make yourself vulnerable enough to write a good fucking song Uh, because people can sniff that out. People want authenticity and they don't, and they can, it's like, it's like, when you can tell someone's staring at you, it's like yeah. this primal thing where like, you know, when you're being sold something. And yeah. even if the thing is like the guy making it, I'm not trying to sell you me. I'm just trying right. to write a song that like expresses, get, you. expresses me. And, yeah. and I was never doing that. I was never like writing a song to sell me. I, you know, I, I've always been trying to express myself, but these hangups that I've always had about just that come from fear, mostly Yeah, fear and, and, and I guess you know, there's some amount of jealousy and all the other things Yoda talks about right. lead to the dark side. Uh, yeah, they they stop me from fully connecting with my music in a way that, like, I need to to make songs that are good. Well, you have to
2: tap into those different emotions and feelings to, you know, translate that into music as well. And again, mm-hmm. it's not that it's so methodical in the sense that you're saying it like you're inside of your id and you're like i'm doing this because of this per se right they're just they're coming out you almost have to you know the guitar in your instance or you know even there's an art that even comes to the mixing and the mastering you know producing the record Mm -hmm. like you do you know you have to have some sort of inspiration behind it you know that's keeping you channel locked in as well right and so there's just you don't you don't think about it you know, the music comes out of you in many instances. And I've always found that those situations, and if you can find like-minded people as well, subscribe to the same theory, usually yield the best results as a band yeah, in for music. Sure. And I think it's coming through on your two singles that you have out now. You mentioned a third about to come out. What else to expect? How many songs are going to be on the album? What are you shooting for?
3: There are eight songs on the album, and th- there's a third single for sure coming out. I have talked about... You know, I probably shouldn't even fucking say this. think people are here, But they're like, honestly, the, the end goal is to put out a record. But record pressing is backed up for, at this right. point, to tw- 2023, if you have already had your shit in, probably 2024. Like, yeah. right? you know, oil it's going to oil. It's gonna come out. The record's going to come out after this album's been out for a year or two. We're probably going to put out a cassette. And it's going to be a lot of digital stuff. And honestly, like the the patience for a full length album from a local band, even if you like that local band, is probably not super long. You know, it's right. probably about a single singles length. Um, right, right. So uh, you know, I've I've thought about maybe th- th- you know, we a lot, some of our songs kind of go together. Like one turns into the other. So I would release those together, but some of them can just go on their own. And I've thought like, I'll probably just release all these fucking things as singles. And then put them, put them on an album later together. That's yeah.
2: Because it is a collection and progression through what you were trying to achieve to
3: begin with. It is an album with sort of like, it's not a prog rock album with like a theme, but it is like, there is like a common thread through these songs and they belong together on an album, but you know, at the end of the day, like, who really gives a shit about you know <laughs> that kind of thing? Like, sure. No one's no like I don't know. Well, we're, not, not, again, we're not we're not about you, but like, yeah,
2: but it still goes back to you expressing yourself, and this is your art, and this is your intent of delivery. Yeah, but I, but and, I think know.
3: it's fine that we we put out you know these songs as singles, and some of them are like I think that's very way conducive more common to
2: it in the music industry now too, right? You know, I a good childhood friend of mine, Brian Jones, he's Jesus Rose and he's doing extremely well for himself working for a production company out in LA and he's starting to get his music career off the ground out there. He, he, has started to take that approach as well where he's releasing uh, singles he's Mm -hmm. revisiting old material remastering that recording it taylor's version yeah there you go (laughs) and then they get into a uh and then they'll have a full length so i think the music industry is trending that way in multiple genres yeah for sure and i mean it's not a detriment to yourself especially now that everything's extremely digital
3: and everything is a playlist everything is everything is everything is a daily mix everything's a discover weekly like people don't People do consume albums. Some people don't have Spotify. Some people don't listen to digital music, but a, a vast majority of people do, and they consume things a song at a time. And they might come yeah. back and really love the album and get into it. And maybe that's different. Like I'm, a, you know, I, I listen to music all day. Music is my life. You know, I I listen to a lot of music. I do listen to yeah. a lot of albums, but even I like listen to these fucking playlists all the time. And for someone who just casually likes music or like, yeah, I don't know. You you know, I I think that it is, it's the mode. Most people consume music. It sucks even saying consume music, but uh, right. Right.
1: You know what I mean?
4: You could not get someone like say early twenties or even teens to sit through from start to finish. Right. uh, Most records. Yeah.
2: I will say that, I find These are the listening habits that I find in myself So if I hear a song that I like from a band Of course I'm going to go check the band out mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll clip around Usually a few different singles from albums Whatever's in their top of their playlist And then that one song that brought me to them specifically I'll go to that record specifically And I'll listen mm-hmm. to the songs around it And then I might listen to that whole record all the yeah. way through That's usually kind of my listening habits But I know that I'm unusual in that way And I know a lot of my audio time is taken up with listening to podcasts too, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of my relationship with, you know, whenever I'm looking for a band, but you're right to say that it's trending toward the playlist feature. For sure. Well,
3: but I mean it like for a lot of stuff, like how do you even hear about it in the first place? And for us, it's like, right. You know, such a small amount of people even know who we are that most of the people who hear us are going to be people who are hearing us for the first time. And it's not going to be because they were like, well, I gotta listen to this enemy airship full fucking album. Like, right, nobody's right. doing that. Right, right. I'm not under any pressure, you know. Right. In that well, regard. Well, I'm just like, I'm not delusional in that I'm thinking somebody's like, I gotta sit down and put the headphones sure. on in sure. the dark and yeah. smoke a whole joint and listen to this band I've never fucking heard of from nowhere. You know, <laughs> like they're gonna just hear it on a playlist, and if they think it sounds good, they might listen to the song again. And if they really like it, they might go listen to one or two other songs. And if they really like that, yeah. maybe they'll go listen to a full
4: album. Yeah. Well, you're you're Can recording you what's, what's gonna happen when that album comes out, and what I'm gonna do. Yeah, That's just exactly. What I mean. <laughs> Put some headphones I'll on. I'll know some, who you are. Some though, some but, yeah.
2: yeah. Get a get a hog leg rolling.
3: I've heard that it it uh it's good for. It's good drug music, and that's really all I could hope for. Yeah,
2: that, that's one of the highest compliments you can get, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about earlier too, one of your friends making, I guess, a video for one of the singles. Is that right? Or, yeah,
3: yeah, for False Economy, um, and it was like not really a thing we solicited him to do. Uh, is there? a Well, I asked that to ask this. Is there a thought? That
2: you're gonna maybe do some video production with some of this. I mean, I see <laughs> kind of
3: the story approach. Funny you mentioned that. We uh, we were going to do a video for new Tanuki suit, um, and we just ran out of time, um, and like a bunch of shit happened, uh, you know, like in our personal lives, and and so like yeah. we just we didn't have time to do it. Uh, the idea was gonna be we buy. I already I do actually own one of it was like a Luigi costume, but with like a raccoon tail and like the raccoon ears and a a burglar mask. Yeah. And we were going to put Logan in it. And at first that was going to be like the album cover, like him crawling out of a dumpster. And, uh, but, but then I, then we were like, what if we made, what if we made like a whole video? And then it was like, first we were all going to be Luigi. And then we were like, me and Michael had a fight over who was going to be Waluigi and Wario and about who was actually five foot eight. Um, Michael says that he's taller than me. And I just don't think, I don't see how that's possible. Um, (laughs) Uh, but so uh, (laughs) we were just like waiting for somebody to order the Wario and Waluigi costumes. And we had this like big script. There's going to be like a Mario tennis thing where Michael like freaks out. Like, uh, what's the tennis player that, um, like goes crazy. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm to, um, you know, John McEnroe, John McEnroe, like he's going to have like a John McEnroe, like freak out on the tennis courts at the park by his house. And we were going to try to get go-karts, and then we were going to – so in the third act, uh, someone was going to take a bite of, like, a king trumpet mushroom, and then (laughs) I was going to use After Effects to, like, make it look like they're tripping, and then I'm going to play, like, the guitar solo – um, I don't know. It was That's a cool, it was that a, cool, a idea cool idea as I, yeah. this is like listening to someone describe a dream because it's yeah. like, who gives a fuck? This is not interesting to listen to this idea that I had that we didn't actually ever do, but I did spend like fucking $60 on like these overalls and like, here, here's, here's the other thing that stopped this idea dead in its tracks. I took a picture of myself in the costume and I sent it to my family group chat and my niece asked if I was a furry, All and I was like, "Oh, I can't do this now." You know? I talk yeah. about like you know, don't be afraid of negative criticism, but I yeah. can't let uh, like a let your niece. I can't let a like ge- I can't let a zoomer call me a furry. I'm like, oh, it's not happening. <laughs>
2: Is there any other production that's coming behind the album that you're help that you're getting from other people it, uh, you know do, do you see yourself making a video
3: maybe employ somebody um. else's talents or services to do so I would like to I don't I don't know what it would be for I'm open to ideas but my thing too is like a lot of the animation and stuff I do and a lot of the like
2: so uh, how are you doing the
3: animation like after effects and I'm just drawing it. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to talk about this other thing in a minute related to this, but uh, like a lot of like I'm doing a whole lot of this stuff. And then also like uh, Michael's wife, Liz is doing a lot of the artwork for like the the covers and stuff, which is awesome. Uh, She's done a fucking killer job with that. She's like, a
2: graphic design major, isn't she?
3: Well, she, she graduated with, yes. She's, right. she's like worked in the industry and now yeah. she freelances and she does awesome work and does like typography and, and also animates and stuff. So Liz is awesome and her help is much, much appreciated. But like a lot of the, a lot of like the videos that I'll put on social media, like I do that stuff and like, you know, the video was going to have to be a thing that I mostly edited and and yeah. I just that's old can worms whenever I'm like doing the production stuff too, like it's too much stresses me out so fucking bad because I also have a full time job and like I'm trying to maintain friendships and like relationships and it just any moment that I'm not working on it I can't sit down and watch TV I can't play video games I fucking desperately want to but I if I'm not working on this like I feel guilty and that sucks that's the thing I need to work on. But yeah, I just don't want to take on this like whole other thing. I think I had some appetite for it with new Tanuki suit. And then I I kind of just thinking about what all it would take and what that would do to my, my time would delay the album substantially if I tried to do it. So I can relate. So I'm absolutely open to, you know, if somebody comes to me and they're like, I've got this great idea for a video and I want to shoot it and, you know, it's yeah. basically like our song is just a vehicle for something they want to do. Yeah. You know, we can talk, you know, I'm open to it, but like, I don't know. If Large I'm bills only in the briefcase <laughs> unmarked. I um. mean, I don't even, I do not have to, you know. <laughs> it would be cool to have a video. I think the other thing is like people are more likely to listen to a song if there's a music video. Oh, yeah, definitely. So there's a whole
2: thing or I know it's marketing. Here we go. Uh, But there's a whole thing now, you know, especially social media impressions. If you have a video accompanying audio. Right. Right. So like the The algorithm sensation,
3: it's not even just people's tendencies. It's now it's the algorithms tendencies too. if there's, if there is a music video, it's probably going to be put in front of people more. And like, the thing is like, it it makes me want to throw up. It yucks me out so bad to think about, but you fucking have to. Or right. you pay someone else to think about it, but you don't, nobody gets out of this, yeah. you know? Well, a good, a good and a prime
2: example is, uh, for, we'll just use one social media, for example. So Instagram, like Instagram's probably been the most consistent social media platform that I've used for 10 years straight. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always used God, Instagram. does seem like it's 10 years. I lay off of, you know, Twitter here and there, Facebook. I've had my sabbaticals, but Instagram is something that I've always been on. And the attraction to that originally was the fact that it was it, there was a simplicity. You could post a picture, yeah, you could leave a comment. Mm. I think that expanded to like more letters, but I think there was even a limit on that initially. But you, it's you're putting up a picture, and sure. then that became a portfolio of pictures that you could put up, and mm. then that turned into video that you could put up video clips and where they tried to go head to head with Vine, you know. and you know now they're going head to head with you know they have their own versions of TikTok essentially with their reels and so on and so forth. Right. So I know that in my feed, for example, as I'm doom scrolling, over fifty percent are videos now in mm-hmm. some shape, form, or variety, whether it's a video post on your feed or it's a a reel that's being made. Right. Right. So that's that is where even the music industry is moving towards as sad as it is. And unfortunately it's gotta be in fifteen second sound bites mm-hmm. in some instances. But I will say the stuff that you've done to tease your stuff has taken that into mind on social media and you have implemented those strategies.
3: Well, and, and the, I think the reason that I don't feel so weird about that is like, I don't ever get to draw or animate, like I, it's not my job. I'm not an animator, but I yeah. love to do that stuff. And so it's like an excuse for me to do it, but only in bite-sized <laughs> amounts <laughs> right, that right, I right. actually have a time for and right. be the mm-hmm. fucking appetite to do. Like, right. I, I, I want to do this thing up until this point, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to work on a Pixar movie for four right. years right. or right. something. Like right. I don't, I can't do that. But one thing I wanted to touch on, there's this whole process for the like video accompaniment, which, you know, like Spotify has like the canvases now, right. Whenever you're listening to a song, it plays like a looping video. Yeah. So one of my things is like, I want all these songs to have canvas videos. Um, and I don't want them to all to be the same. And so I'm making like bespoke ones for each song. And for this one, like The theme, there's not a lot lamer in the world than some guy being like, I'll tell you what this song is about. How you, you going? Know? It was about when I went through a hard time. It's about my my thoughts about aliens. And uh, it's about my thoughts about...
1: <laughs> X- right. or
3: White, no one gives a shit what your fucking song is about. Probably. Right. Probably a handful of people. No one gives a shit sure. about what my song is about. The song is about But <laughs> like, here we go. Strap uh, in. They, it, it, n- none of them are like about anything concretely. I'm not sitting down and writing a story about like, yeah. a, a guy that X, Y, then this happens and this happens. Yeah, it's but not like, procedural it's,
2: drama per se. There's like
3: fear of artificial intelligence and fear of it's some of the t- some of the themes visited in the animatrix <laughs> uh, for real though, is some of the themes yeah. visited in the animatrix. Uh,
1: I'm laughing, but it is but,
3: fucking oh, ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) I already sang a song about Mario Brothers. Now we're touching on the Animatrix. Anyway, I shouldn't even be talking about this because it like makes the song stupid. Maybe no, I don't think so. But anyways, for the character to it for the artwork, like I had this idea of an android, and then I was like trying to brainstorm on like what does he look like, and so I'm drawing these sketches, and then I found I don't even remember. Oh, so like I'm in a bunch of like 3D modeling Facebook groups, like groups where they talk about like how to use Blender, how to use Houdini, how to use, you know, Cinema 4D, just to like look at tutorials and see what people are doing and like, you know, what's going on with it. Mm. And there was like something in a Houdini group about AI assisted or generative art. And first it was like like 3D fractals and shit. And then it was like. I gave this plain text prompt to this thing and a configuration object that told it sort of like different passes and how f- how fevered is a term they use, how fevered it could get. And maybe I give it a starting point and I tell it, you know, stray this far. And then you tell it like, do it in the style of X and Y. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. So I tried it out. Yeah. And at first I said, well, and I can even show you these pictures. They're bonkers. Yeah. First I was like, Android segmented limbs, visible wires. And I thought it was going to give me a drawing. It Mm -hmm. gave me photographs, 30 photographs that it dreamed up of this, these like robots that don't exist. They were not humanoid looking. So this thing will just take a plain text prompt and give you what you, and so the next one I was like, I just added onto the end of it drawing of, and then I put like white colored pencil on black paper. And then it gave me this whole other set of just nightmare fuel And so I kind of figured out how to use it. And I also figured out how to like give it a starting point. So I would give it, I would draw something like a vague thing. Right. And I would give it to that and I would give it instructions And then it would give me something back, like 20 different interpretations of it. And I would take the things that I like, and then I would draw, I would use it like I would bring it into procreate, make the opacity like, you know, 40% so I can see the outline. And then I'm drawing my own version of that over the top of it, like tracing some things that I like, leaving out others, making my own, pass it back to the AI, then get it back, get my own thing. I did this a couple times through and then I... Took each individual limb and put it on its own layer, and then fed it into the AI one last time and had it give me like six or seven versions of each limb, six or seven versions of the face, six or seven versions of the torso, and then the background too. And so, whenever you see that animation and it's like all the limbs and shit are flashing, those are, yeah, th- that's that is like an AI dreaming on this prompt that i gave it and this thing that we collaborated that's crazy on. so it was like it was weird because like it was a real collaboration with like right a artificial machine with artificial intelligence the first time i've ever done anything like that's that that's crazy man and it's like where does there has to be people was, that have done it prior to you too oh 100% you know? so. there's there's a whole community and like yeah. I, and so i've i've started like to get into those groups and yeah. and it's like it's kind of a thing in its infancy right now, but it's, it's nuts. And there's like this question of what credit do you give it? Right. Do you own any of this? Like I, I, yeah, it came a from, question. it came from my drawings and then I drew sure. things that gave, you know, back and forth and back and yeah. forth. I played a part in this, but like who owns this thing that we did together Right. with the machine. Right. And, and then like, and then so, you know, cut to a hundred years later, is this, is this, does this machine have, Rights is this a living thing right is is what is sentience like what is creativity that's a nice rack you know, on that machine is, <laughs> is well, but, but, but like the, the things that it came up with are were creative and spontaneous and it's like I don't know, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Well, God uh, damn it. I, <laughs> thought go the, I thought you were going to go down the lane
2: of uh, Elon Musk and Neuralink and that stuff because there's a lot I mean, of fuck, fuck fear. <laughs> oh, <yeah, laughs> but, 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 but.
3: And, and I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. And, and there, there is this, I do have some fear of artificial intelligence. And sure. I, I'll tell you why. So my day job is that I'm a software developer. I write code. I can look at the code and see like, if here's an input. Here's what the code does to that input. Here's the output. This is, you know, with AI, you can write it's, you can write it's processing. You can write like what it will do uh, to start. But as soon as you turn AI on, Mm -hmm. you have the inputs, you have the outputs. Everything that happens inside of here is a black bubble. Yeah. It's a black box. You can't look inside. Eventually like two AI will come up with their own language and start talking to each other really rapidly. Like they'll do all kinds of shit. And it's like the moment that a program starts to do a thing where you can't look inside of it and say, Oh, you know, why did it do this? Like why, why did I can follow these through all of these logic gates, how it got to this point and why the output was this. With AI, with, with, with machine learning, you can't do that. As soon as yeah. you turn it on, you you know from whence it came, mm-hmm. you know the seed. You don't know as soon as, like when it, whenever it turns on, it becomes a thing where you don't know what the processes inside of it are. Because yeah. it changes as it learns. Yeah. And so it becomes like a person. It becomes like, right. you know, you can have a baby then it becomes a thing that you can kind of guess what might be going on in its head sure. like anyone else. Sure. But you'd never know for sure. Right. Right. What's going on in a living things. It's very similar brain. And, in and, 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 in that and, regard. and so that scares me because like, you know, AI has this, this. it's a computer and it can do all these things very quickly. And, and it's some of the limitations of the human mind and the human right. body and the connectedness of the human mind or lack thereof right. with other minds, we're not able to do some of the things that sentient machines would be right. able to do. Right. And so like, if it decides, rightly so, like the way to save the planet that we're all living on is to kill all of the humans. Right. We can't follow the logic gates that it got to, to get to that transcendence. Point, besides like maybe just guessing like, Oh, it's fucking obvious. Right. Like they're polluting it. But like, we don't know what it, how it will come to these motivations for the things that it does or doesn't right. do. And so it's like creating this super powerful thing and then just letting it go and hoping that it doesn't like eradicate you. Right
4: and it will. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing is
3: like right now there's this product that GitHub is testing. <laughs> GitHub is where all, like it is a plethora of resources. Well, it it's where most of the code that has ever been written by mankind is is in GitHub repos. Yeah. It's it's used by an, and people use, you know, people will use other repos and people will use like Bitbucket and stuff like that. But most of it is in GitHub. Even private proprietary code is in GitHub somewhere. GitHub can Look at all of that code. It can see all that code. They're they're testing out this thing called Copilot, which has access to all of that code, looks through all of that code, and tries to guess what based okay, on what decision. it looks around in your code, and it says yeah. like you're doing this. Here's what you, we think that here's what it, I think that the next line. It suggests things to you in a way that is like, I mean, a, it's already happening. A intelligent. It's not just intellisense based off context clues. It's like intelligent because it's it's referencing all of the code that's ever been written right and all of the patterns that it sees and what you're trying to do based on what it knows right. and you're teaching it to code you're right. giving fucking fire right to this you're you're teaching this thing it's, to write co- you're teaching this thing of code to write code
2: yeah well, people don't realize. What are we doing? Even us, uh, <laughs> general know? consumers, it's happening right now. You know, the, the ads that you get on social media, for example, mm. these technologies are in full force right now. Yeah, for sure.
3: But 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 I mean, like, it 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 flips my fucking wig that like the copilot thing freaks my shit out. Yeah, big time. Very much, but yeah. then on the other hand, there is like maybe if I'm nice to these computers, they won't kill me. Right, <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding, Uh for but sure. and somehow we keep but, revisiting the theme
2: of Johnny Depp's Transcendence here. So, yeah, for sure. You know, but but, but more, just more poetically
3: put though than the just, movie. Just that it they, <laughs> it, just that it's so open ended. It kind of like wigs me out a little bit, or or that they have the capacity for such like. Abundant creativity There are people Detractors who might Look at this stuff And be like Well it's just a machine Doing what it thinks You want it to do And it's like Well buddy Like what are you doing, man? What right. do you think you are, man? Come yeah. on, man! It's judging uh, you, actually. But it, but it's like the same. Th- we're you know we're all just machines. Come on, damn! Yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> it's, no, at at, at <laughs> what point? You at, at what point does the line get so blurred that you have to read? You have to define sentience in a way that makes it exclusive to human beings, or do you do that? You know, is that is that like some kind of just extension of our prejudice towards one another and others? You know, within the human race, to like other sentient creatures right. that that may be like machines, and just because it's digital, is that cheaper? I don't yeah. think so. It's just things that I think about whenever I'm like, it's the you sociology know, staring, behind this shit <laughs> staring at, at the wall and disowning, <laughs> um, and then somehow worked its way into a song, and then I, you know. A week later, I've collaborated with an AI to make a, a fucking canvas video. and video Spotify for it.
4: it. Thank you for bringing a new fear into my life. Yeah, man, yeah. It's, it's wild.
3: But it's also awesome. It could potentially be very cool. It could be. And also, yeah. all of these things that, you know, we, we need to... If used correctly and in the right hands. So. We need to figure out how to decarbonize the atmosphere. You know, what about letting putting a machine on the job? And hopefully, its solution isn't kill every <laughs> human right. being on the planet right. but like
2: what if but then there's there is a real prejudice though that comes with that idea though you know automation going into the workforce specific specifically manufacturing trucking is a big sure. industry that's getting hit with it you know but so that's going to call on for other pol- needs from our politicians sure. to advocate for well, us well and know? i mean
3: the, the thing is like the the dream of the the dream of the future the jetson's dream of the future was automation and making it to where we don't have to work anymore and that should still be the goal, Mm -hmm. but capitalism will never let that happen. It's like somebody needs to make the money whenever people are like, I don't want these fucking things taking my truck driving job. Like, What are you saying? Of course you do want them to take your truck driving job because you should like, you should be able to live in this, uh, this country and world of abundance and not have to work a truck driving job and have your needs met. Like Mm I don't, I don't think this is like pie in the sky thinking like, but to fear automation is to cling to your fucking chains as like a worker forever for until, you know, and I I just don't, I think that there has to be more to, life than that right
2: oh there right definitely right. is but there's gonna people there's gonna be people that can't see past the point that okay well now he's out of a job what does sure, he do he's sure. drove trucks since he was well, 18 years old right, and he's 56 now and obviously I you know like, and those, those are real conversations
3: it, it, and obviously like if I lost my job to automation that someone would be like well actually you shouldn't be mad about it because like you it's not supposed to be that podcast one it's time, time. <laughs> it's not supposed it's not supposed to be that way and it's just capitalism that you're mad at it's like well I'm right. still like mad about who's gonna pay damn it well who's gonna pay my rent like that's yeah, a nice right. thought but like this is the situation we're in right yes. now so like that, that's kind of the
2: same point mm, i it's, was making it's very
3: it's very cool that you have this clarity on this thing guy but like i gotta eat and my, you know my fucking kids gotta yeah. eat so like yeah it's like sure speaking of
2: automation robots and things of like that we'll get back into machines i know that you're a pedal guy like we are yeah yeah pedal nerd so let's talk about your rig let's talk about your live setup let's talk about some things that you've used in production of the singles
3: yeah so my pedal board right now, I've had a boost pedal for a long time. That it, my, my pedals rotate a lot. Yeah. It changes a lot, and I'll <laughs> think that I don't like something and then you know get rid of it and buy it back t- 10 right. years later or something, trying right. to chase that tone. Uh, mm-hmm. But this one boost pedal, and I've tried to replace it a bunch of times, and it's never left my board, and it's a uh, Moor Pure Boost. And it's supposed to yeah. be like a clone of the exotic... RC boost I think but it's like a mini pedal and it's yeah. also got like tone controls on it too mm-hmm. and at first I was using it like a what is that called a range master it was like the yeah, the it. treble booster that like a bunch of like people put on you know super dark amps. Ones. Well, it was like, like a British voice amp. People put a, a trouble booster on. I think like Eric Clapton did that. I think a lot of people did that, mm-hmm. but it gets like a good, it, it gets like a really nice tone and it cuts through with these sort of dark sounding amps. Like you get, yeah, you get this and it doesn't get woolly. So I, I use that. I don't ever push it to distortion. I don't actually use distortion or fuzz or, or anything like that. I just use like a couple of phases of boost to go into the, okay. to go into the preamp, to go into the amp, to goose the amp into like, yeah. I would say mild overdrive ever at, at, at the most gainy. I just never really found like a distortion or a fuzz pedal that I bonded with, except I take that back. There was an, there was a Z ZVex woolly mammoth fuzz that had a pinch control yeah that pinch control sounds nuts yeah like i don't know what i would do with that except unless i was in like a tame impala cover band but like the sound of that shit is
1: very cool so it's uh, the
2: electroharmonics made a holy stain pedal yeah yeah that has some similar effects. I have that pedal. I fell in love with that because doesn't that have
3: like verb and stuff on it? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah. Yep,
2: it sure does. So that I I fell in love with it because we tried it out at Guitar Center way back in the day. Whenever we were doing the Weaver statue stuff, yeah, and Joey, Joey was in the band, and Joey ended up buying one that yeah. day. He and I liked oh, it so much. It yeah. Oh, okay. We I bought can't a Guitar if you had it Guitar Center. And so so he ended up getting it and and used it. And it sounded really good with his rig. He had a baritone scale guitar. And I think he played, didn't he play through Michael's Plexi for a while? Cool. For a little bit. Before that, it was a, um, it was a
4: strange Marshall, like 50 or 60 watt. Like it was a very off number, off wattage. But it was, it was cool. Into the Mesa cab. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, you could pretty much put anything into a mesa cabinet it's gonna just sound like a walla
2: yeah wall sound for sure but
4: uh, i had yes. done carrying those things forever though oh
3: yeah for i sure. think short of like that that like just being really enamored with that pinched fuzz sound like sure. i don't use a lot of distortion i i use like a couple of delays in serial like so i'll yeah. have i always and this is like my uh, my always-on pedal. I have like a Space Echo, like the Boss Space yeah. Echo pedal, yes. which they came out with a new one. Yeah, that uh, looks so cool. Yes. But, oh yeah, the, the, there's a new yeah. DDL-4, yes. which is cool. But the, the Space Echo, like, there's a lot of fucking problems with the old Space Echo pedal. For starters, like, I know that the reverb on an actual Space Echo <laughs> box is not good, they did not have to recreate it exactly in the pedal. <laughs> in the pedal. It's not, yeah. used, it's, t- it sounds very bad. Yeah. Also like there's no such thing as true bypass with this, which I, I don't really, I used to care about true bypass. Yeah, I, I care less and that, less about I mean, it, but this thing is not just not true bypass. There is like a preamp stage on it. There's an imp, like an input knob and you can never turn it off. You can, it, it is always on. You're always going through its preamp. So it is always like yeah. coloring your sound a lot thing is i realized like i like the way that this sounds like that it's kind of my sound and there's always just this little bit of tape delay kind of in the background i never turn that off yeah and then i have like my delay delay like my solo delay or my like i want this to echo delay yeah and i've been using uh like it's an emulation of a memory man uh, okay for that so it's another Analogish ish one i yeah. like digital delays and is I, that the emulation is that through your line six so yeah so so for a while i was using all individual pedals and then a couple of years ago i decided to try out the hx effects which is like the helix yeah. but it doesn't have any of the amp stuff mm-hmm. and so i do the four cable method with it which is like you go in into the input of the pedal and it's got sends it's got two yeah. send. it's got two send and returns on it So instead of going into the input of the pedal and from the output of it into your amp, you go into the HX effects from the guitar, out from the send of the HX effects into the input of the amp, out from the effects send of the amp into the return of the HX effects, and from the output of the HX effects into the return of the amp. And so what this allows you to do is for these multi effects pedals where you can move blocks around. Yeah. The send is a block you can move around. So now I'm able to move the amp anywhere in the chain and I can put stuff that's just like in front of the amp or just in the effects loop or just after everything. And so it's like, that's too much high level thinking. It's for fucked my up live. <laughs> well, live the way that I make that work though, is I have like a buffer Bay on the side of the pedal board where it's like always wired up that way. And I made like a cable snake mm. that's color coded. <laughs> so like yeah. just plug it into the three spots and then plug my guitar into the buffer Bay and then like plug it into the right spots in the amp. And I don't have to think about what it's doing, but that's what it's doing. Yeah. And so now like it goes guitar, tuner, boost pedal into the that whole fucking nightmare yeah <laughs> and then at the very end of that i have a mini flashback which is just like tc electronics delay and the reason that i even have it at all is for one thing and it's i turn the reverse delay time all the way up to seven seconds and then i mix it a certain way like with the dry and i can play something and then it'll Play reverse delay back, and it'll just yeah. go on for fucking ever. And yeah. so I'll do that yeah. like between songs, and it makes this like really nice. Yeah. As long as I don't play a bunch of shit. Sonic. That's on yeah, 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 yeah. So I just have it because I don't like I'll I have to tune sometimes. So. Right. <laughs> and that's all that pedal does. <laughs> right. Uh, well, that's a good thing though because that, that's one thing
2: I kind of learned or saw early on that the bands that I enjoyed the the most in a live setting were doing things in between the songs, either talking to you. You got to know them a little bit better. Then maybe they had some humor, you know, tell jokes, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Or they were bands that either the drummer played a little something in the downtimes. For sure. While everybody was noodling around, or a keyboard player or a guitar player was just making a little noise, back feedback, even. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, whatever the case was.
3: You have to go into that kind of thing, like understanding that you're there because people want to watch you play and you're like entertaining them and it is right. a show that you're putting on right. and you can have these like very cool opinions about how like you know you don't you shouldn't care what people think but like you're sure. you're there to entertain people and you know out of the kindness of their heart probably they came to see your local band play right. so you should put on a good show for them and part of putting on a good show is not having to listen to you tune and like dick around on stage like right. there's nothing that is you know, takes people out of it or just right. like lose a crowd immediately. Even after, if you're playing great, and yeah. yeah, it's taken you all this time to tune and you're just like, just dead fucking silence. People right, go right, to the bar.
2: But right. yeah. right? if yeah. if you have something going on, it's a, it's an attention thing yeah. to put it shortly, you know, and we're in a, again, that instant satisfaction world now. And every you know, you have to have something in front of somebody every 15, 30 seconds to keep their attention. Mm-hmm. But
3: even still, like you want to, go out there and put on this like good representation. Of, it, sure, it's like a sure. whole thing that you're doing. It's a whole yeah. experience you're trying to create. And
2: well, that's, what's going to bring people back out to watch you. That's what's right. going to bring people to the web to stream your songs on what, you know, search you out on Spotify or look at your band camp or do right. whatever.
3: For sure. But, but, but also like it, that, that is, that's the whole, like, this is, this is us in this, this bite sized bit. This is, these are our songs. Part of that experience, do you really want that to be these there was just dead fucking silence. And <laughs> right, these guys right, like right, sure. someone tried to make a joke that didn't land and then they're yeah. talking to each other on stage. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit about this. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's endearing if it's like, you know, some famous band that you right, have a, a parasocial celebrity. relationship yes, with yeah. and you're like, Oh, I love to hear the the candid banter of these yeah. lovable, you know, misfits right. in this band. Like right. I, I one of the first shows uh, since the start of the pandemic that I got to see was big thief. And it was wonderful to listen to like yeah. Adrian Lenker and Buck Meek, like talking on stage was like, this is, uh, this is awesome. Right. Like I love, I don't like they can tune and fuck around for an hour. I would love to hear them play, but also this is cool too. Yeah. It's not like that for your local band, man. Nobody right, right, wants right, to right, hear right. that shit. You're not that interesting. Also like none of, <laughs> none of us are that charming. Uh But yeah, so I don't, I, I think that, it takes pressure off of you to have to even go up in there and do this like, yeah, thing like this like mm-hmm. I'm gonna come up here this and ritual. entertain you yeah. with my personality now which yeah. I'm not gonna be able to. <laughs> but no but um, but then it, but then it's also just like showmanship a little bit
2: and it, it, I know I know that kind of that daunting task that expectation that any musician has you know like i was starting to make this point earlier too we you know in in our experiences in the music scene that is i started to take note of the things that people were doing so then i would try and turn around and implement in mm-hmm. the band if somebody didn't want to talk between songs i was like well shit give me a fucking mic i'm the drummer i'll yeah. talk between <laughs> songs you know like uh, that happened mm-hmm. rich can tell you it's yeah, like uh, yeah, i dude, knew man. we needed to up our <laughs> sure you know presentation as I mean, a band. Right.
3: as as much as it's like grown whenever someone's talking into the mic between songs, it's even more grown to just sit around in dead fucking silence. Yeah. (laughs) While somebody's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Oh god damn it. Yeah, you hold on a second. It's like I mean nobody wants to have that experience with you. (laughs) Nobody cares.
2: Back to your point, and that's accurate. But there are things that you can do that everybody knows, okay, this is what's happening and you know, like okay, thanks for l- listening to the song. We got another song coming up. We got two more songs. We got you know, there's the bare minimum that you can at sure. least do that yeah. really you're obligated to do as a band.
3: I would also, especially like, if you want people to hang around for you. I would also like to qualify some of the things that I that I'm saying. I mentioned earlier, there's a, like an extremely negative voice in my head. I'm not going to shows thinking this yeah. about people, but whenever it's happening about to yourself. me and I'm yeah. up on stage being like, Oh, sorry. Hold on a minute. Yeah. like <laughs> I got a Bigsby and I'm having to put this in drop D now. And yeah. all of the other strings are going to, I'm going to have to tune it three times. So just please bear with yeah. me. Mama. Uh, the voice in my head is screaming. Like these people do are not here for your personality. Like sure. you're creeping people out. Like, Get a loop pedal, get, (laughs) get a delay that does seven seconds and then noodle into it. And then like, don't say anything. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, like I said, I've seen lots of people like do it to great effect. Um, but just, I, I can't look at myself in the mirror and (laughs) hear that, hear hear that voice and not
2: try to do something. It's like you're up there trying to be fucking Mickey Rooney or something. in The train takes or something. (laughs) So you told us that a new single is coming up on the 27th. You're setting yourself to not too much pressure. Right? Yeah.
3: And the reason I, the reason I picked that day is it's Friday. And I don't know, is it like, I just been releasing things on Fridays Friday.
2: seem to be kind of
3: what like, they're doing in music. Like Kendrick Lamar's new album comes out tomorrow. It, now, is this a, Thing just because of release radar did this exist before streaming
2: i think that streaming has pushed it in that direction because okay. i
3: think i remember a time and i could
2: be wrong about this that music came out on a tuesday typically new music mm-hmm. yeah and i think that shifted to thursday and now it's friday mm-hmm. in most cases i mean i think there's still some bands that follow some sure. of the tradition some release. some people routes, just do it whenever you know but when you're somebody like i mean that's a bad example technically that i use kendrick lamar you can do what the fuck you want but exactly you know, or it, it seems But like,
3: it seems like there's like Friday is the day to do it. So, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know why that is, but I was just like, well, I have to, you know, if I have I to jump to, off the cliff with everybody yeah. else. So, so, Friday. If, if I was
2: to try and think of a reason, though, my reasoning would be okay, well, f- what's happening on Fridays? You're getting out of the nine to five. You're going to go hang out with friends. Uh, you're going to have this song you, on the background. Or you, you don't know, have a job the or shit to do. And, <laughs> and you, know, you like, want to give. high. <laughs>
3: right. We all saw the movie, and we know what happens on Friday fridays yep absolutely not, certainly not in my house <laughs> no none of, none of this good god fearing boys's house at this table right here right now well so it's it's the last friday of the month but it's also the day before a show so
2: we and it's uh the weekend before memorial day as well so that's a big party weekend is it Wait. yes
4: yeah oh yeah that is before memorial oh weekend. Okay.
3: cool
2: yep
4: i didn't know that yeah, So cool. that, I,
2: didn't, I didn't. I didn't take that into consideration. He, it. he did it on purpose, folks. We're gonna edit that out.
3: Well, so we. He's a mastermind. We played like one show. We've played one show since the start of the pandemic. Um, right. Have you, have you, you had that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had that. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was the one with with uh, uh, C-Shine. like C-Shine. release yeah. video yeah. thing. Yeah. We had another one scheduled with this awesome fucking band like then the omicron spike happened and it yeah. was like gnarly so we yeah. all the other bands pulled out and then we were just like i you know logan works in a a restaurant and so like he definitely is gonna give people the coronavirus and i can't go around with that on yeah. my conscience so we yeah. we had to back out so we haven't we played one show since the pandemic happened and so this will be like the second one and also the first one since we've released it's that stuff, same so. weekend is that on the 28th, it's the 28th yeah. yeah so it's
2: the very next day that's another interesting thing that we didn't touch on and i've talked to every artist that's been on the show regardless of their practice is how covid has affected you know their musical output their mm-hmm. creativity what did you guys do in that downtime too, to help keep producing or uh. writing music or Getting together, what what did that look like during COVID for you guys? Because there wasn't obviously, especially in St. Louis, live music really going on. Yeah, for some yeah, period for of sure. Time. I mean,
3: St. Louis was more it seemed like locked down and yes, much much quicker to lock down than you know even like Columbia or yeah. there's no getting together during that time. Yeah. So a, a couple of years ago, Logan and I left Columbia. You know, w- Logan and I were living together in the house where I had the studio, and we were practicing couple times a week even like it was the most it was the most we've consistently practiced as a band because it was just very easy to Mm -hmm. and then you know i had to get out of the service industry there's like two places or there were like two places to be a developer in columbia so i moved to st louis where the job market for developers is crazy so yeah with, with it the acknowledgement that like we're gonna have to really make an effort to even be a band. And like, maybe this is the end of it being like a thing we take seriously. And maybe it's just the thing we do. We get together and run through the songs just for the, you know, for old times' sake, probably never play shows, probably done releasing music, or we put in the work to like make an effort to drive to practices and play shows still. And we did, you know, we kind of did it. We, yeah. we, we played a few shows and they were good shows even, but it was like a lot of driving to Columbia and it was very difficult to write new music and it was very difficult to stay tight and to feel much connection with it at all or yeah. to see a future. And so we had this album that we've been working on forever and I just kind of stopped. I also didn't have time. I was like, I moved to a new place. i It's the first time in my life I've worked like 40 plus hours a week because yeah. I was like a waiter and you have these short, brutal shifts for yeah. a good payout. This is like, this is the salary job where you're, yeah. you know, so it is a lot of your fucking time, right? It'd be less than like crazy intense, but it is a lot of your time. So like, I just didn't have time to think about music or at least not at that point. I had to get on my feet. Yeah. Same for Logan. So we kind of shelved this thing for a couple of years and then the pandemic started and like, I'm writing a lot. I'm recording a lot not necessarily stuff that would work for the band or like yeah. m- maybe I showed it to Mike and Logan and they were like, that's cool. And I just kind of felt like they don't really like this. So I'm going to keep this to myself. But then I, one day I was like, I'm going to pull open these enemy airship project files and just see like, where are they even at? And some of them, I was like, this is fucking trash. I mean, there's the, there's like a whole five, six songs that were going to be on this record that are just like shelf were thrown away completely. But the there were some there's some really good stuff in it, and I was like, I'm gonna start working on this. I've got nothing else to do. Yeah. So then I started working on it again, and thinking like, oh, we're actually gonna release this. And then finally, Michael moved to St. Louis, and we had a place to practice because my place is not good for practicing, and my cat can't stand that shit. So yeah, we finally had a place to practice again, and so we've been like, I don't know, this feels like a new chapter i guess not even just that we've been releasing stuff but just like we had to kind of go through this phase of hibernation and like change in all of our lives yeah and then come back together and decide who we are is different now how we live is different like Uh what we do with music and like michael in that time joined blight blights is awesome and like michael's bass playing is evolved in in the way that it only can if you're in a couple of disparate projects that are right that you know are stylistically yeah yeah he he grew a lot and like we've just we've all kind of gone through this this couple years even before covid just the distance of like painful growth separately and we had to come back together and decide like is does this is this even a coherent thing yeah. anymore and it, luckily it is and like in some ways it's the least dysfunctional our band has ever been you're the kind path in is... into
2: different creative channels though with that approach too you know like yeah because yeah. it
3: has altered who you are for sure for sure i mean it, it's also logan and i lived together for a long time yeah and so it was this kind of we're living the same life or we're living a sure. lot we're living like together Duplicity. we're around each other all the time you know I know where you're coming from all the time. Um, yeah. And now it's like, I I'm alone a lot, which is probably for the best, you know, and I'm, I do well in isol- in solitude, not isolation. Solitude is right. You know, I choose to be alone a lot of the time because I need to be a little goblin and do my thing. And so there's not this obligatory, like I, I got to walk by you whenever I go to take a shit or something. Yeah. Like, so whenever we come together, it's like, whenever we connect, It's intentional. It is right. because we want to. And yeah. it's it's like I think some of that too is like just Well, you don't take your relationship for granted. Exactly. As much too, exactly. Sure. I we don't I don't personally I don't take the band I, I don't think I ever took it for granted, but I take I've it's like it is a thing that I know that I need to cherish and it's a yeah. thing that I have to work to hold on right. to and to keep healthy. And there it there is A lot of work to do and to be done but it's worth it and it's different because i've chosen it against odds that i didn't necessarily face before and it's the same way with our friendships too and it's the same with all friendships as you get older but but i think that that is maybe evident in what we do now just as a band i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about you know (laughs) but I sure won't stop talking.
2: <laughs> well, let's plug where the show's at on the twenty seventh, because that's our twenty eighth. Excuse me, that's because that's only a few weeks yeah. away.
3: It is uh, at Heavy Anchor.
2: So at Heavy Anchor in and St. Louis. That's a good. That's a good venue. I enjoyed. Yeah, I like Heavy. Experience Anchor. there.
3: It is with Daytime Television, which is a sweet Columbia band, and then Boxcar, another sweet Columbia band. Okay. So we've never played with either of the bands, but I know the people in daytime television, I don't actually know the people in boxcar. I've just heard them. So yeah, going to be a good show. Every time that we play a show, like I, you know, I have like horrific panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so it's, I've been doing this since I was 14 years old and it, I never don't have a panic attack. So I'm soliciting some beta blockers. If anyone wants to <laughs> DM me, get a hold of me on Facebook, uh, Messenger, or Instagram and has a connect on beta blockers. And look, you know. Maybe you lace it with fentanyl and I die and don't even have to play this show. Yeah, so. let's avoid, that. <laughs> let's avoid don't that. do, don't do that. Don't,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: do we'll wait for the don't, fentanyl.
3: Don't murder me, Wink. So queen.
2: speaking of uh, getting at you, talk about where people can get at Enemy Airship. Hear the music. Uh, I
3: think it's Enemy Airship. Dot. Hold on a second. <laughs> 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 uh, enemy Airship
2: Bandcamp. Yeah,
3: there, yeah. Think Enemy Airship music or just Enemy Airship. Dot. We're gonna plug all your social media stuff okay. at the end of the show I'm too, and so uh, bad with that's that. all good.
2: Yeah, we're. But if you just go to Google and type in "enemy airship bandcamp," yeah. it's the first listing. That all comes this up.
3: stuff is on Spotify too, yeah. and uh, I think it's. So we go through Distrokid, which right. know, I think probably everybody's going through either Distrokid, TuneCore yeah, is the other TuneCore. one. Distrokid puts it on like Apple Music and Amazon, and I think YouTube as well. So it's on a Spotify. bunch of stuff. Was. Spotify, of course. right? Right. So it's anywhere you'd want to hear it you can um, right
4: i think van camp
3: yeah it's it's on uh shazam if you overhear shazam <laughs> someone listening
4: to it i think it will.
3: shazam will tell you that it is it
2: so is if big. you think i know you're listening to the episode now when you hear the clips that we have and it's their music you know you can still shazam it if you want yeah and we can put this theory to the test it should All work
1: right.
3: it ought to
2: work <laughs> otherwise somebody owes me a refund <laughs> So as I mentioned, we are going to be playing some clips from an enemy airship. You've heard it prior to the interview and post the interview, and then we're going to have a full length of the song here. But Zach, it was a pleasure having you on the show yes. today. I appreciate your time. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. the conversation went in other, other other areas that was not predicted whatsoever. It made for a very entertaining <laughs> time.
3: Can't, I can't imagine someone like listening to this and not being like, this guy questioning their existence. Jesus, this <laughs> guy won't <laughs> shut up. Uh, what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, guys no <laughs> but no no just, no we We're so happy freak, still
4: freaking out about robots oh yeah yeah, I yeah, I yeah 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 maybe
3: if you maybe I we'll listen i dreams. can pull it up you know yeah let's see your robot I creation i can bring
0: this grudge from my hands so i'm holding on as tight as i can the lines and I read them all out. Well, the compass can't move, so the pen don't rest. But as soon as it does, you're gonna fly out west. Are you stabling the nightmares you knew well? The sun goes down on
2: You all for sticking around after the break. Thanks again to Brady Kurt of Brady's Jiu-Jitsu Club in Fredertown, Missouri, for his appearance last week on episode 13. Biggest feedback that I've received for last week's episode is how genuine and incredibly nice of a guy Brady came off as. I hope it translates into new enrollees for Brady. We've got a lot of Brady's details out there on our social media feeds, and they were given at the close of the episode 13 if you're interested in checking out some jujitsu. Recommend getting on it and getting with Brady. Next week, we have Marcus Newstead of Fister Daybringer, Path of Might, formerly McCree, Last Flight Home, for episode 15. Looking really forward to talking to Marcus. I've known Marcus for a long time on the show about what he has going on currently and some of the things that he's done historically. Kind of get some people caught up with where Marcus is at today and what he has in store for this year. Thank you to Zach once again for joining the show today. Find Enemy Airship on Bandcamp, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Anywhere you get your audio content, folks. As always here on ATI Podcasts, we like to persuade you to go toward Bandcamp. You can find Enemy Airship on Bandcamp. It is enemyairship.bandcamp.com. You can also follow Enemy Airship on social media. They're on Instagram and Twitter as well as Facebook. At Enemy Airship Music on Instagram, at Enemy Airship on Twitter, and Facebook.com backslash Enemy Airship. Like, follow, subscribe to their posts so you can stay up to date with them, their events, their shows that they have going on. Please check out Enemy Airship. Of course, we've played Enemy Airship during the breaks today, so you've gotten a little bit of a teaser, and we're going to be closing the show today with Enemy Airship's single, New tanuki suit i also must thank ridge jackson for joining the show this week ridge stepped up to fill the void of co-hosts this week while josh was out with an illness we appreciate you ridge for hopping on at the last minute and helping us out with the show today you of course heard ridge previously on our jonestown episode which was episode 11 if you didn't check that out, it's a bit of a marathon, but it is an interesting listen and gives you the backstory of Jonestown. So go back and check that out. And of course, we're going to have Ridge back on in the future when we hit some more on our Colts, Conspiracies, and Killers series. I have to also say, get well, Josh. We will see you back next week to fight the good fight once again. Special thanks to Ben Sharp of Cloud Kicker for lending us his song. You and yours from the album Let Yourself Be Huge for the ATI Podcast Open. You can follow Cloud Kicker on Bandcamp as well as Instagram and Facebook. Check out Cloud Kicker if you like his stuff. Get his merch, get his vinyls, download his music. Ben's got an incredible catalog out there. Check out Cloud Kicker. I am Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. And for this week, we are out of time. Until next time, good night and good luck to you all. Here's Enemy. Airship.
4: Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.